3: This is the ribs and BK podcast on one Oh one ESPN. If,
4: uh Allowing fans in the games, in markets, Where that is allowed in a shortened season uh, helps on that front. Uh, I I think that what they've tried to make clear is that they're willing to pursue that. It does potentially put some uh, pressure uh, on other municipalities that are in the process of opening to consider the the possibility of of opening their pro sports facilities to, to fans.
5: Oh boy, Jamie. Here we go. Yep. That was Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News. What was that, like three weeks ago on our show? I believe something like that. Maybe a month ago. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. That's Jamie Rivers. He is Tanner Hendrickson, not Alex Ferrario. Ferrario's out the next couple of days as he is moving into his new house.
6: He's a healthy scratch. We do that. Sounds better.
5: He's a healthy scratch for the next couple of days <laughs> as he is certainly not out moving into his new house. I'm Brandon Kylie, it's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. This is going to happen. And I find it fascinating that we are doing this now. So if you missed any of the news yesterday, it has now been announced that the White Sox are looking into having fans in the stands. The Rangers and the Astros are almost assur- going- assuredly going assuredly, assuredly going to have fans in the stands during this season, and the Marlins have now announced, of all teams, the Marlins, that they're probably going to have fans in the stands. I'm sure that's going to be fine, well, given what's happening in Miami right
6: now. The Marlins will be just fine because what, they average about 3,000 okay. fans a game, so they're already socially distanced. So this That's is their Super Bowl for them. That's four.
5: <laughs> that's four teams. And then last night, Jamie, I kid you not, I was watching KMOV, the news at 10, and suddenly, I'll be damned if Bill DeWitt 3rd doesn't pop on the screen. And he says, quote, we're uh, going to look at bringing fans back into Bush Stadium for games. Whether we'll be able to or not is anyone's guess. But we're working on plans that would attempt to do that, assuming we can get approval. If they can't get approval for the stadium, they're going to try to figure it out for Ballpark Village where they can put the fans up in those stands.
6: The rooftop stuff, all that, yep. Uh Uh-huh. Wasn't the entire
5: premise of the last three months? The entire premise. Hey, we're losing out on so much payroll because there's we just can't have fans in the stands right now.
6: 40%, I believe, is what they said. People look cool, is what they said. Losses. And now we're just we're strolling through it. We're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're going to have fans on the stands. Yeah, What? <laughs> like the day after they have this like tentative agreement or whatever, they're coming back. We're playing ball, and we're going to have fans. Well, why the hell didn't you say that a week or two ago? And, well, we know. Well, we know <laughs> why. But I'm just wondering how this is going to impact the whole agreement because the players have been sold this bill of goods that's like, We have no crowd. We have no attendance. We're losing the revenue. Now, mind you, I understand they're not going to make up the revenue like, boom, here comes sold-out stadiums. No, they're not. But they're not going to have zero. And on this show, BK, anytime it's better than zero, that's a good thing. At least that's what they tell me. So,
5: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. This comes in from the 636. Baseball's stupid. How can the MLB let this happen with people in the stands? This is why it's not going to last. So, there's a few reasons why I I have... Questions as to whether or not baseball can actually sustain, not just get back onto the field, but finish the season.
6: We thought the NFL was the Wild West, okay? (laughs) No
5: idea it was baseball. It's
6: baseball. Think about it. Like, no hub cities. They're going to fly everywhere, do whatever they want, stay in hotels, eat at restaurants, go in the Ubers, (laughs) drive, go in an Uber, take a lift, whatever. Now we're going to have fans in the stands. But don't you dare spit on the field. Don't don't you dare sit six feet next to your guy in the clubhouse. And if you
5: get within six feet of that umpire
6: to argue a call, not only are you getting
5: thrown out of this game, you're suspended for the next one. Yep. It's all about appearances for this league right now.
6: But go belly up at the hotel bar with a bunch of strangers and have your shrimp cocktail. By
5: all means. And then go ahead and take your Uber (laughs) down to the local watering (laughs) hole and grab yourself a couple of cold ones.
6: This is just nuts.
5: It's insanity, absolute insanity. Now, listen, if they allow fans in the stands and you want to go out and watch Cardinals baseball, I got no issues with it. Go ahead and go enjoy your Mm -hmm. $12 beer, beer, your $8 nachos. It's going to be a great time. We all love getting out into the ballpark in the summer. I just can't believe after we had three months, three months of back and forth with the premise of those negotiations being... We can't have fans in the stands. We are now going to have fans in the stands. And it's going to happen. I I would, if I were a betting man, and sometimes I am, I would bet on the Cardinals having fans in the stands this summer. I don't know what the percentage will be. Maybe it's oh, 25, maybe listen, it's 30, DK, maybe it's 50 at some point. Every but they're going to have fans.
6: Team is going to have fans in the stands. I mean, even the hot spots. Heck, when Chicago... Miami's doing it. When Chicago pipes in from the, you know, the left field bleachers and says, ah, we're thinking about having fans too. Like, come on, Chicago is a hot spot. Now you got... New York's going to be next. Watch. They will have fans in the stands. It may be 10 to 20% capacity, but you better bet your butt that it's going to be people out there watching these games live. If I'm a player, I'm furious right now. Absolutely oh
5: furious. God. Because you wasted three months of my time with this non-negotiation negotiation where none of it was in good faith. And I think that could be said on both parties, frankly. But certainly for the owners, was not good faith negotiations, at least in my opinion. And now you're looking back on it and you say... Less than twenty-four hours after we did all of that, after uh-huh. we finally came to all of the agreements, now
6: it's getting leaked well, left it and right. Actually, didn't come to an agreement. Uh, fair, right? Like we say that we think it, we act like it's an agreement, but they didn't. They're just being forced to do it. After all of that,
5: now you're leaking this, and now fans are going to be in the stands. Listen, if we thought this one got ugly, oh, just wait until after next season when the CBA negotiations actually begin. This oh. was this was the appetizer. Oh. This was the hors d'oeuvres. Not I mean, the
6: not the big ones either. The, the little sa- fancy ones, <laughs> the little wee fancy hors d'oeuvres that you're like, I'll take twelve of <laughs> this those. Was please. A charcuterie board before <laughs> before you get the real meal. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I can't.
5: I, I would say that I can't believe it, and I was about to, but I absolutely can, based on everything that has been taking place in recent weeks and months.
6: Well, at least, though, the trust factor will be great for the next CBA, right? Oh, wait, maybe not now. <laughs> Since the players just now finding out we're going to have fans every game.
5: It's eleven twelve. your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got a lot to get into today. Coming up at 11.30, Mark Saxon will join us. We've got Joey Vitale. He is the best. Coming up at 12.30 and at 1 o'clock, former Blues goalie Jamie McLennan will join the show. Also on Twitter, at 101ESPN, Mike Ryder just put this out. I did not approve this. I don't know why he put this out, but Uh he put it out. We found out on Ribs and BK that BK has always wanted a tattoo. He just doesn't know what to get. Leave your suggestions below. I can only imagine, Jamie, what these suggestions are going to include, given our audience.
6: I'm pretty sure it'll be real positive for you.
5: 65780, if you would like to get involved in that discussion, we will take your suggestions there and on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app as well. I've got a surprise for Jamie throughout the day today as well, but coming up next, Jamie texted me last night and said, I want to talk about the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm
6: -hmm. We're
5: going to hear his thoughts on... Who was my first ever favorite hockey player? Next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: Well, the text line is wide awake. Good morning, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I mentioned that Mike Ryder put put out on Twitter at 101 ESPN. If you want to get your jokes off, I got no issue with it. I'm here for you. We found out on Ribs and BK that BK has always wanted a tattoo. He just doesn't know what to get. Go ahead and leave your suggestions below. (laughs) We're getting some good ones already on the text line at 65780. My personal favorite is from the 314. He could get a tattoo that simply says, I like my corn off the cob. (laughs) I like the one that says he should get a tattoo that says, I heart Karen. That would be fantastic as well. Uh, there are plenty coming in. What's your personal favorite, Jamie?
6: Personal favorite so far, the le- on the leaderboard for me, top of the leaderboard is... Uh, that he should get a tattoo of a man card, at least then he would have one. That's not nice. I, that's not nice. That's the top of my leaderboard <laughs> right now.
5: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Tax line to get some of those in. We'll get to yours throughout the day today. Also, if you want to, the Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. All right, Jamie, so yesterday, the 2020 Hall of Fame hockey class was officially announced. And the guy that was the headliner for me and I would imagine for most people was Jerome Gimla. I've got a quick story about Jerome Gimla because I was growing up in Kansas City and Kansas City's not much of a hockey town or at least it wasn't previously. It's actually becoming more so with the Blues yeah, the and the Kansas success. City
6: Blades back in the day the IHL. Actually went to a few of
5: those games. Yeah, my Good brother time. played against those guys. So um, it wasn't a huge hockey town growing up. There wasn't a whole lot of hockey conversations taking place. But I was a sports kid, right? I loved sports, and so I'd always be watching Sports Center and whatnot. And I don't know what it was. I don't remember what the exact accomplishment was. But I was like 10 years old, and Jerome McGinley came across the screen. And I was like, damn, that guy looks cool. Like, I don't know what it is about Jerome McGinley, but that guy looks freaking awesome. And I like that guy. And he was my first ever favorite hockey player I don't know what it was about him, but there was something that was appealing to him that I was like, I am rooting for that guy now. That is my hockey player. So, Jerome McGinley, first of all, a huge congratulations to him. What was your biggest takeaway from the class that was announced yesterday,
6: Jamie? Uh, You know what? Uh, Here's why I texted you last night. I'm getting more and more frustrated every year with the selections for the Hockey Hall of Fame. For me, the only shoe-in this year was Jerome McGinley. I have absolutely zero problems with that pick. He performed at a high level. Uh, His stats were incredible. 1,300 points, 625 goals. Absolutely. But then the Hockey Hall of Fame, they lose me, okay? Because we talked to uh, Jeremy Rutherford, who did a piece on Big Walt, Keith Mm -hmm. Kachuk. How is this guy not in the Hall of Fame? And Listen, hear me out here, okay? Marion Hossa... His career 1,300 games played, fantastic, 1,134 points. Really fantastic, only 628 penalty minutes. Now, let's bounce over to Keith Kachuk. 1,200 games played, so less games played, 1,065 points, 538 goals, 2,219 penalty minutes. You want to talk about an all-around power forward? a guy that defined the game of hockey in that era, especially in the mid to late 90s, Keith Kachuk was the man.
5: You know what that is, though, right? It's the rings. Like that, that's the only explanation. Okay, you say why. that,
6: okay? I'm glad you say that. So on um, based on that, Eric Lindros, in the Hockey Hall of Fame last year, 760 games played. Didn't even get to 1,000 because he was injured a lot. It's not really his fault, but yeah, listen, being, the longevity is another part of it. 865 points, and then you bounce over to Jeremy Roenick, who's not in the Hall of Fame. Never mind Big Walt, okay? Because Big Walt has Eric Lindros just dwarfed with his stats and what he's done. Eric Lindros, no ring, BK. He got in. Jeremy Roenick, 1,363 games played, 513 goals, 1,216 points, 1,463 penalty minutes. (coughs) Smaller guy. Played like an animal out there. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? You will hear no disagreement
5: from me, especially on Big Walt. After the case that we heard from Jeremy Rutherford, and listen, I'm no hockey historian. I think our audience knows that I would never claim to be. But the case that Jeremy Rutherford laid out the other day was foolproof. Like it, it, it sounded to me as a um, observer of the sport. For the recent history of the mm-hmm. sport, not the long-term history. But I don't know how that guy's not in the Hall of Fame.
6: It's and a frankly, junk. The politics of it is seriously, it's got me hot under the collar because I'm so sick of these guys just picking their friends. Heck, Kevin Lowe got in the Hockey Hall of Fame this year. He had 300 and some points over 1,400 games. I know he was a defensive defenseman and he was a leader. But, my God, take care of the guys who performed at a really high level before you start giving the complimentary ones out to your drinking buddy back in the 80s. We posted a poll on
5: Twitter, at 101ESPN, should Keith Kachuk be in the Hockey Hall of Fame? And listen, this is St. Louis, so it's going to be an audience that skews towards Keith Kachuk getting in, right? Of course. But you can't get 85% of people to agree that Jack Flaherty's a good pitcher and 85% of the audience of almost 1,000 voters said yes of course keith kachuk should be in the hockey hall of fame and so i i would ask you this jamie and just to, to kind of lean on your expertise in this area why what do you think it is that is holding him back because after hearing the the argument from jr i i don't understand and so i'm just looking for clarity in this
6: situation it's politics what is it it's politics i'm not lying to you unfortunately the hockey hall of fame used to have a selection panel that would really had no bias Now they've implemented former players. Lanny McDonald, who uh, was a player for a long time, he's in charge of it now. They have a whole committee that it's politics, man. If you're a drinking buddy with somebody or you were a teammate, that's what's going on. It's awful. They need to get an independent committee in there that literally go through it. Like, I pulled this up in five minutes, all these comparables. How about Theron Fleury? Five foot six in the NHL, 180 pounds during the most vicious time in the NHL. A little guy should never have survived, ever. He played 1,084 games, 1,088 points. A point a game for this guy, not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So, uh, let me understand, how does this process work? They have a committee, they get together, and uh, it's, I mean, I could pull it up here, but it's basically a bunch of ex-players and some managerial people from the game of hockey, and they literally, they sit around, and that's the committee. That's the committee. Like, there's no proofreading it. It's just, it, it, to me, it's lacking big time. And I'm just sick of seeing great hockey players like Jeremy Roenick, mm-hmm. Keith Kachuk, Theron Fleury. Like, these guys should be tap ins for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Heck, Pierre Turgeon, who was here in St. Louis for a long time, he's getting looked over and he was a point a game guy in the NHL. How does that happen? Yet, Eric Lindros is there.
5: It's a fair question, and I'm, again, just kind of looking at it from the lens of the NFL selection process, Major League Baseball selection process. It feels like that should be clarified, because in both of those, it's the media that selects who the Hall of Famers are. And listen, players, I I think, should have a voice, frankly, but there are more media members that have watched a greater number of these players over a longer period of time. I would imagine that would be worthwhile to include in this process and if you have a guy like jr who watched every game of keith kachuk and knows everything there is to know about keith kachuk having that voice inside of the room would be incredibly valuable to at least lay out his case because if you hear the case I don't know how you could disagree with it that he deserves to be in, I especially after hearing it the other day from JR laid out on our show.
6: Okay, so I'm I'm going through this now. I just Googled uh, Hockey Hall of Fame Committee. Uh, there are some former players on there. Uh, there are some TV analysts on here. Um, but for the most part, like if you look through this, David Branch is the OHL commissioner. He's going to lean towards guys that are Canadian from the Ontario area. Cassie Campbell, she's a fantastic female hockey player. They've got some good people here, but if you look at the names, the one thing that is absolutely right here on the page, it's, it's the Old Boys Club. It is an old boys club. Brian Burke, Bobby Clark, Mike Gartner, Yari Kurt. It's the old boys club. They're getting together. They're throwing a glass of scotch around and they're like, ah, you know what? Let's put Kevin Lowe in this year. I was a heck of a guy. I played well. I remember him. I was my roommate on the road. Yeah, yeah, Losey, you're in.
5: They need to include more modern people involved in this process, is what I'm, based on what you're saying right now. It appears that they need more modern people within this selection process. And if they don't have it and they're not getting that perspective, then it stands to reason that they're not even giving enough consideration to some of the modern players.
6: Well, if they're giving Kevin Lowe, okay, and again, I think Kevin Lowe is a heck of a defensive defenseman, but he doesn't have the points to back it up. When you look at Keith Kachuk, I'm going back to Big Walt because obviously local flavor there. And yeah, he's a good friend of mine, and I would back him to the end on this. But he's got 1,065 points. 2,219 penalty minutes. The man was vicious. Okay. You can't, like, if you're going to look for an all around guy where you're like, okay, when I see Big Walt's picture in the Hockey Hall of Fame, who was Big Walt? Holy crap. He's got 538 goals. Whoa, over 2,000 penalty. This guy was an animal. Right away, my kid who's three years old knows that guy, that guy was an animal. That was a beast. You get it. The, the The stats tell a story. And then, obviously, the story of Big Walt and all the way, you know, he is a story himself. But I just feel like they've missed the boat, specifically for me, on those three guys. Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, and Theron Fleury. To me, those guys should be automatics in there. It, 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 they better do it soon, too.
5: He's Jamie Rivers, Hall of Famer in
6: my book. That
5: is Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Mark Saxon is a Cardinals insider for The Athletic, one of the best in the business, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say. The fans in the stands? Might be a possibility. We'll ask Saxy about it next. We're
3: back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: With former Superstar Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. I am so excited to go out to the Brown and and celebrity line and be joined by Cardinals insider for The Athletic, Mark Saxon. Saxy, we get to talk about real baseball because coming up in almost exactly a month from now, there will actually be baseball on the field. How you doing today, my friend?
4: I'm doing great. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I enjoyed listening to you guys yesterday when you were talking about the NHL's plan and the bubble and Edmonton and all those crazy things. Well, baseball's going to be even crazier because in about a week, uh, less than a week, six days from now, all the Cardinals players are going to be in town. They're going to be showing up to Bush Stadium to get their temperature taken and, and to get tested for COVID-19. And a couple of days later... If all goes well with that, they're going to be on the field practicing baseball with nobody in the stands. So it's a strange little deal, but you know what? In a month, we could be watching Cardinal baseball games, and I don't think any of us are going to complain about that.
5: No, certainly not, but I hope that they're able to actually finish the season. And, Saxie, you kind of went the direction that I would like to go with you to begin are, are, are they out of their minds with this whole idea of playing in 26 different cities? Do, do you think this makes sense? What have you talked about with people within the game to explain why this is the approach that they're going to take?
4: Well, the Cardinals have said, John Moselak said this in a, in a conference call, it really comes down to how seriously the players take it. If, if the players in all these different cities are going out to bars and they're meeting new people and getting close to those new people and all that stuff and they're in big congregations, it's not going to work. And and we're going to know instantly that it's not going to work or within days or weeks, I think, of starting up. But on the other hand, if they are able to, say, stay relatively sequestered, you know, almost like a monastery for for three months, then I guess it's a possibility. But it is a little disturbing, even when you locally, you pick up the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and the news section, is all these banner headlines about terrible coronavirus news, and then the sports section is all, here we go, baseball's excited to open up, and Mike Schilt's ready to go. So there is a little dichotomy there. We'll see which one prevails.
6: Uh, big Sexy, um, it sounds like someone's got a chainsaw in the background. What's going on? I just want to know, are you safe right now, or do we need to send some help for you?
4: I am safe. I'm on my back porch, <laughs> and someone apparently is leaf blowing. Hold on a second. I did not realize you guys could hear that. No, How I just thought now?
6: maybe it was a Texas chainsaw massacre about to happen at <laughs> Seattle. Like there were go karts in the background. It's <laughs> like okay. a mini racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Saxy. Um, I'm safe now. <laughs> well, good, good, good. All right, so here's what I, I got for you is a question, and not even a question, just a discussion. We're hearing now several teams and even including our our Cardinals talking about bringing the fans back and have them in attendance. We know that Texas and, and, you know, they've talked about it and they almost guaranteed that they're going to have fans. Now we got Miami talking about it, Chicago, the Cardinals. What do you think of this idea that now after all these weeks and months of fighting back and forth over no revenue from attendance, all of a sudden the owners are talking about attendance?
4: Well, I mean, again, you got to look at what we're learning about this virus, right and, and from what I've seen, and I'm far from an expert on any of this stuff, but it does sound like it's it's spreading more commonly indoors than outdoors. So to me, it seems feasible that you could have you know social distance fans, whether that means Bush Stadium has you know 15,000 fans rather than 45,000 still getting in to see a game would be a lot of fun. And I, I don't see that it's that in and of itself doesn't appear to be a deal breaker to me. I would think the players being in such close proximity would, would be more of an issue. But again, it's all going to depend, you know, city's appetite for, for allowing these types of events to occur is all going to be contingent on the number of cases they're seeing. So I think, it really is, if St. Louis has a good handle on it, the city, the county, surrounding counties, if we have low caseloads, I could see that happening. If they start to spike, I, I think they're going to scrap that plan.
6: Now, Saxy, follow-up to that is, do you think the players had an idea that the owners would be thinking about how they could get some people to get in the stadium and watch games? And if they didn't really know that this was a, an avenue that the owners might go down, does that just add to the mistrust between the two sides?
4: big time and i think you know I, I don't remember whether it was the rangers owners or whether it was a texas politician who was saying that they they're gonna have fans in their ball games
5: it was the that owner probably was,
4: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so i'm sure that ticked off the players at the time because the player the owners haven't really you know they certainly use that uh that 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 lever of having no fans in the stands is the reason why they weren't giving certain concessions on the salary. So yes, I mean, if it could be any worse, Jamie, <laughs> it may have just gotten a little worse if they do have fans, in the stands and the players don't see any fruits of that, of that benefit. All
5: right. All right, Saxy. So let's talk real baseball. Let's, let's get into this nitty gritty. We're talking with Mark Sachs and the Cardinals insider for the athletic here on ribs and BK. We talked yesterday and we got real sportsy on this very show. About Dylan Carlson and whether or not he's going to be in the opening day lineup for the Cardinals, since it is only a sixty-game season now. What is your impression from what you think the team will do with Dylan Carlson, and what, in your opinion, in opinion do you think the team should do with Dylan Carlson?
4: Let, let's leave aside the service time question, just because we'll get bogged down and how you know it looks like they would have to keep him down a week to keep that extra year. But let, let's just leave it aside. I think that the team's plan, regardless of any of those uh, issues, would be to start him in the minor leagues. That was before the pandemic. And the reason for that, the thinking for that is they've never really gotten a chance to see the kind of player Tyler O'Neill could be if he's truly an everyday player. Same goes for Lane Thomas. Harrison Bader, they need to find out if he can hit, right? They know he can field. So, I think the plan was to find out exactly who these guys were first before you go to the younger player. And then you've always got that as a lever if your team is struggling, particularly in a shortened season. If you get out of the gates and you're, I don't know, uh, four and 12 or five and 11, you know, to start, you're going to have to pull a lever pretty quick, and maybe that's bring Dylan Carlson up. So sometimes those things can kind of get a team going. So, I think something like that is the plan. Do I, the details, obviously, are not going to line up. But I do think the plan would be either to have Dylan Carlson on that, you know, secondary camp out in um, Springfield or to have him on the team but not necessarily starting every day. So I, 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 I do think the plan still is that he's not an everyday player at this point.
6: All right, Sachse, John Brebia, we found out uh, he's done. He's out for 2020 Uh, where are the Cardinals going to go with that particular spot in the bullpen?
4: Well, first of all, it's a shame because, I mean, he pitched really, really well. Total, you know, late bloomer who, you know, really was never viewed as a prospect. 30-something round guy who worked his ass off and became a really good major league reliever. But they're going to be fine, Jamie, I think, in the bullpen. First of all, they're just going to have so many guys. Everybody's going to be down there. They're going to start the season with 30 players, and I guarantee probably those four extra guys are all going to be relievers because the starters are going to be going 80, 90 pitches out of the gate, I think. you know They they have half the time to build up their, their arms and bodies for this season. So you're going to see guys going four or five innings at the beginning of the year. You're going to need to see Genesis Cabrera, Junior Fernandez, all these young guys. And having been to spring training and see these the, seeing these guys work, they're going to be fine. They have a lot of pitching depth. They have a lot of velocity, a lot of good young athletes. I, I think they're going to cover the bullpen innings just fine.
5: Final question that I have for you, Saxy, What's the number one thing you're looking forward to seeing the answer to with the Cardinals finally getting on the field?
4: I want to see, you know, can they hit? Um we know that they have so much pitching to throw at teams. We saw it all of last year. We saw it starting to take shape in spring training. But what groupings kind of produce the best offense? I, I just want to see if this is a team that can hang. Because I think the game has changed. When you have teams with offenses as good as the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, the Braves, the, even the Cubs, even the Brewers, the Cardinals haven't been able to match up. And I do think it's a game now especially when you get into those tight postseason games. If you don't have good hitters up and down the lineup, you're just not going to go as far as you want to go. So ultimately, it's what the offense looks like that I'm most interested in seeing.
5: Saxie, I can't wait to see it. We'll be watching it, certainly. We'll be paying attention to what you have to report on it. He's Mark and the Cardinals insider for The Athletic, and he is the best here on Ribs and VK on 101 ESPN. Saxie, we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thanks so much for the time today. Okay, boys, be good. See ya. Absolutely, that's Mark Saxon here on 101
6: ESPN. I'm glad you said the best. He is the I best. I thought you were holding out at Saxon. first. I was going to have to come off the top rope at you. I so, love Saxy.
5: I want to react quickly to what he had to say about the Tyler O'Neill versus
6: Dylan Carlson thing. Oh boy, why didn't you step up then? Because I will. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. giving him his airtime. Oh yeah. Then we'll react yeah, to no it when the he's end. not around. You're going to talk your. You no, know.
5: I think he is. He was suggesting the Cardinals would like to see what Tyler O'Neill is, mm-hmm. which I understand, honestly. But you don't. over 162 Here comes, yeah. games. Here comes a but. I knew it. It's a 60-game season. If you lose seven games in a row, I saw this earlier today from uh, it was Jason Stark of the Athletic who wrote. If you lose seven games this year in a row, it's like if you were to lose a 20-game or to have a 20-game losing streak in a typical season. They're thinking about seven to eight games of not having Dylan Carlson up just for the service time potentially, based on what Danny Mack told us earlier today.
6: Now, let me ask you this, okay? I know you got more to say, but I I get hung up on this service time thing. Okay. Okay? Because, like, just how big of a deal is it? I know it's a free agency, arbitration, uh, whatever, but, like, is it really that big of a deal?
5: Is it a big deal to trade seven or eight games for a year? That's what it is. That's what they're doing. They're saying, hey, if we don't have him up for the first eight days of this season, mm-hmm. we then get on the back end of his contract an extra okay. year of him playing for the Cardinals without going into free agency.
6: Okay, so I understand the thought of, like you said, seven or eight game losing streak, but you got to imagine, like, look, Dylan Carlson is not, It's not the, he's not the only player for the Cardinals. Heck, he hasn't even taken in that bat yet.
5: Absolutely, and I'm not suggesting so that. So you
6: got to wait seven or eight games, and then you bring him
5: up, like, I understand the the idea, hypothetically speaking. But if he's a guy that you are worried about losing that back end year on his contract, that means you think he's a star. Mm-hmm. Like you think he's a star right away. He's a Chris Bryant-level type of player. And if you've got that guy right now waiting in the wings and you don't bring him up because you want to see what Tyler O'Neill has to give you, Tyler O'Neill has been—he's played 120 games in the bigs over the last two seasons. And in those 120 games— He's at 260 with a 300 on base percentage and has a total of 14 home runs. He's not, he has not had the opportunity to be an everyday player, no question about it. But he's played 60 games each of those two seasons. Oh, that's convenient. This year is a 60 game season. We've seen what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I would much rather see what it looks like for Dylan Carlson to get that everyday opportunity in the Bigs this year than Tyler O'Neill. That being said, It's becoming very clear that the Cardinals disagree with that. And so we'll find out if their direction is correct.
6: You know what? You wait the seven games, pull them back in the lineup on the eighth game. You gain that year on his contract. It really is a no-brainer when you think about it. Because the Cardinals are gonna be just fine for the first seven games. They'll they'll figure it out. They're not gonna be awful, they're not gonna lose seven in a row then you gain the year it just it makes too much sense to gain that year for seven games
5: he's Jamie Rivers he's the one that thinks about things practically I'm Brandon Kylie <laughs> I think about things emotionally it's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN 65780 is the air comfort service tax line we'll get to your questions we'll have some answers next on
3: 101 ESPN we're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN Got questions, we may have the answers. Maybe? Text now 65780. It's Ribs and BK's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
5: That's for our blues superstar defender, Jamie (laughs) Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's get into some of your questions. We've got some answers, but I'm gonna start with this. Jamie, did you see the Rangers new stadium? Yes. What the hell happened to that thing? What do you mean? Have you, have you seen what the
6: pictures were supposed to be? No, I never it saw... Up? I just saw the final result on it. Why Did it end up being like half of what it was supposed to be? Yeah, it was supposed to be like this super modern looking stadium that had
5: like glass windows everywhere and okay. <laughs> okay. it well that's not what happened <laughs> look at this so i've got a picture pulled up to show Jamie Rivers that's what it was supposed to be with like oh, this my beautiful God. walkway area outside and instead it is now like this silver it's basically big lot <laughs> with yeah. a massive
6: I would agree parking with lot on I saw the outside. The picture. I saw the picture of it, the finished one. This was a publicly financed stadium. If I'm somebody
5: that lives in Dallas, I'm like, that is not what we were promised. <laughs> you can put a big lots in there, but I'm not going to Ranger games there.
6: Absolutely it, not. It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird looking thing now. I mean, you know what? It reminds me, um, if anybody's ever been to San Jose uh, to the hockey arena, the Shark Tank out there, it kind of looks like this. Like, this is kind of weird looking. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. Now, the roof, even though it's awful looking, does the roof still move?
5: It does move. It is a retractable roof. And when it's when it's off, when it's opened up in, yeah. in the inside, it actually looks fine. Um, the problem is they, they made the roof like an aluminum foil. It looks like that
6: lawnmower shed that you had, like, in the backyard, like, way back. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like we're at Lambert. Lambert Airport is just like a
5: hangar where all of the airplanes are hanging
6: out. Apparently, the the budget ran out when it came to the windows, and they just said, you know what? Aluminum's really cheap right now, Um, and we're going to go with that.
5: It's awful. It's absolutely atrocious. I don't think
6: it's awful, but it's really bad.
5: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Hey, Jamie, did you see that the NFL canceled their Hall of Fame game? Do you believe this is any indicator that they're not as steadfast as we thought about playing the season?
6: Um. Yeah. When is a Hall of Fame game? It's usually like a preseason thing, it right? It was the first week. I think it was supposed to be
5: like August, early August.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh. I don't know. I think they're just yeah. buying time. In my opinion, I think the NFL is buying time to be able to do it right, probably.
5: It was supposed to be August 5th, and that game has now since been canceled,
6: of course. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting a little longer. Uh, Listen, I think football, the NFL specifically, is going to be playing as planned. I do think they'll have fans as planned. I do think they probably are going to wait as long as they can in order to have the most information possible. So I'm not surprised that they canceled that game.
5: I'm not either, and I don't think it says anything about the actual regular season. I think it tells us everything about how the league views the preseason. I would not be surprised at all if they cancel two of the preseason games. If they just buy themselves more time and they're like, you know what? These are not necessary. We're already talking about potentially cutting these things down. There's no way they're going to sell tickets for the preseason games this year. That'll just be only the regular season games. I bet you they cancel two of them. They buy those extra two weeks for themselves and the final two weeks of the preseason. That's when we'll start to learn where they're at. If they cancel those, then I'll have a little bit more concern. But right now, we've still got two weeks of buffer before I start getting into any concern level with the NFL. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Jamie? Mm Mm-hmm. I got home yesterday. And... Well, I got to Keith's house
6: that Keith's I live Keith's house, in. yes. It's pretty okay, clear. Parents' house.
5: Yes. And uh, he came upstairs. He said, you know, we're talking about sports cards the other day and how I used to do some of the sports cards things, right, when, when I was little. it's like, I think I might have a Jamie Rivers card somewhere downstairs.
6: <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, really? <laughs> really dusty, I'm sure. He's like, yeah, I, I think I've got
5: at least one of them down there. And I'll be damned. Oh, wow. If he didn't have a Jamie Rivers card. Look at that. This is from 1999. Sweet. At this point, you have three seasons in the league.
6: Yeah. Three amazing, games, I'm Sure.
5: Two penalty minutes in year one. That's great. 15 games, seven points in year two. Yes. 59 games with six points in year three. Now, I love this card in particular. Okay. Because it has a summary of every player on the back of it. Oh, wow. So it has a summary of Jamie Rivers circa 1999. Okay, this should be fun. Rivers has a low hard shot, which should translate into goals in the NHL. Not afraid to feature his one-timer, Rivers is also a better-than-average passer, adding to his versatility in the O-Zone. Not intimidated by the NHL's bigger players, Rivers showcases his toughness with gritty play on both ends of the ice. His ice time (laughs) figures to increase during the next few seasons as his
6: skills continue to develop. Look at that. What do you think? I'll take it. Was it accurate? I think it's pretty accurate. Although I'm a much better passer than above average, but that's okay. (laughs) It's better than below average. I've never asked you this. What do you think was your best... uh on ice quality um, attribute if you will <sighs> it depends on where we're at in my career right like at the start of my career was offensive ability and halfway through it became you know physicality and towards the end of my career was certainly I was like the Swiss Army knife you know you need a penalty killer I'm able to do it you need a guy to help out on the power play I can do that you need a guy to be physical I'm that guy you need a good leader I'm that guy. So it's, you know, the, it, it certainly, it varies throughout your career. When you're not a superstar. Well, you were, so <laughs> you, can, you, you can't speak to that. I've always said when you're not a superstar, like if I wasn't a superstar, you almost have to be a chameleon in order to continue to fill the voids on every team or your team of what they need so that they can't get rid of you.
5: 65780's Air Comfort Service text line from the 217. Who wins in a fight? Out of all the 101 ESPN radio personalities, Rivers would obviously make the finals. <laughs> who has the best shot to get there to go up against him? It's an interesting question. I don't know. Out of all the 101 ESPN radio personalities, who would get to the finals against Jamie
6: Rivers? The other thing, it got to be Stalter and Thompson. They got to be going at it, right? Thanks for the... Um, Well, BK, BK, come on now. Have you ever been in a real fist fight in your life? Once. Okay, all right. Hey, that's more than some people have. How'd it go? Yeah, I'm not a
5: fighter. Okay. Um, That being said, it it went well for me, but no, I would not make it. Randy's a sleeper here. Randy's a sleeper. Like he's asleep? (laughs) Randy's got, when he gets mad, he might just go all out rage. But so does BT. We know BT goes blackout rage mode.
6: We've seen it. I I think I would go BT. BT in the final? I think I'd go BT.
5: I think I'd go you versus BT. But if you excluded all of the athletes, that's where it gets interesting.
6: So if you and BT are out. Out. Eliminated
5: us. And it's just the rest of us. So it's Danny Mac, Randy Carricker, Michelle Smallman, myself, Chris Ranji and yeah. Anthony Stalter. If those are the only ones that are involved in this. But I, we almost have
6: to take Michelle out. Because, yeah. like, at the end of the day, we're not into that, right? Like, so, Michelle, she's got to be number one female. Correct. Toughest female, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I would say it would go
5: Danny Max. another one that might, might have a little bit more scrap to him. He's than got people some would spaz anticipate. in him for sure. He he might have a good shot on this one. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot of text what coming we, in. 65780. Meat has to have a shot.
6: Oh meat. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yep. I love Barnes. Don't think he would be a winner in this. What about Ferrari?
6: If then? we go wrestling, I think he's got a shot. Wrestling. If it goes past 30 seconds, though.
5: Yeah, things could get difficult for him <laughs> after that. I think I've got the endurance. Like if this thing goes a while, I've got a real shot.
6: Yeah, because well, I've got if you the endurance. Stick and move, stick and move. Try to dr- pull this thing out ten rounds, and hopefully, guys run out of gas.
5: I mean, Floyd Mayweather made a career out of that. One hundred percent. So I've got a shot. I think if I were to give the honest answer, though, I would go. I think it'd be Stoltz versus Danny Mac in the final. I think I'd go Stoltz on top.
6: I think Stoltz got that. I think he's got the switch. Yeah, I do. I think he does.
5: I, th- I think he would ultimately. <laughs> from the three one four, BK would also fight in the women's division. That's not nice. <laughs> That's that was from Keith. I didn't. I didn't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely didn't need that today. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK. John Mozalek has a realistic approach to the Major League Baseball season. I think he's got a really good point on one thing in particular. I'll tell you what, that is next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK
3: podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: You think it's going to come down to like how serious? players take it when they're not here right again like you know if you if you find yourself at an outdoor event and putting yourself at risk remember you're, you're not only putting yourself at risk you're putting your teammates at risk so that's that's going to be what the, the, the big hurdle will be
5: with Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. That was John Moselock on a Zoom press conference yesterday talking to reporters about what the difficulty is going to be to finish this season. I'll just get it started, but finish it. And the money quote was right in there from John Moselock. Quote, it's going to come down to how serious players take it when they're not here. End quote. That's what I have my biggest questions about. Because with the NHL, we've talked about this a lot, Jamie, but it is the single biggest question that I have about how they're going to do this. The NHL is going to be in two hub cities, and almost all of the players are going to be in one hotel in each city. In Orlando, where the NBA is restarting their season, they are going to have three hotels total, and all of the players will be in those three hotels, and they'll just mingle within those hotels and the resort areas there. Meanwhile, for baseball, it's 26 different cities scattered across the United States. They're going to be flying in and out of their divisions. The central divisions will play each other here. And whenever they go to another city, Chicago, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, wherever, they're just going to be in a hotel and they can seemingly kind of do what they want, including getting in Ubers and going to restaurants or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the hardest part here. It's not the on-field stuff. That's all going to be difficult as well. But the problem is when you insert the virus into the on-field category, and the more you do off the field, the more risk you have of bringing it back with you onto the field.
6: This has been my biggest speed bump with Major League Baseball is this non-hub city or bubble strategy. And I know people are probably sick of me talking about it, but I just can't understand how how they believe it's going to be successful. Like If you really dive into John Moselock's quote, it's going to come down to how serious players take it when they're not here. Okay, so why would you not make it easier on them? Because young men with financial capabilities who are celebrity status, guess what I can tell you? They don't always make the best decisions away from the field. And they feel invincible. Yeah. You feel like a superhero. Trust me. I said that to my wife not too long ago. I'm like, I remember I used to feel like a superhero. (laughs) Damn, I'm losing my superhero. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yeah, when you're young, you have all this money and this ability to meet people and whatever, man. Like, how, why not make it easy on these guys and say, yeah, I know you want to be with your families. I know you want to be in your cities. I know this, not the other, but you know what? We're just going to do this here. We're going to put it in maybe five or maybe ten hub cities for baseball. Maybe they do it a little bit different, but, damn, I feel like they're not setting the players up for the best success.
5: They're not. They're making things difficult on everybody. And the longer we get into this process, the more concern I have that they're going to be able to actually successfully do this. I don't know how they're going to be able to get this accomplished, Jamie. I don't. I, I, I hope that they can. For all of us in this room, for all of our listeners right now that just want nothing more than to watch the St. Louis Cardinals this season and to watch the 60-game season into the playoffs and finish things out and hopefully have them crowned as a champion. I hope that's possible. Mm-hmm. I just have serious concerns based on the way that they're trying to accomplish it, that it is going to be possible. So John Moselock continued on the Zoom call. He was asked, how do you make sure that players hold themselves accountable? Here's what his response was.
1: You know, one thing I can't predict is is like, how do we all act when we're, we're traveling? Um, for for all the people that sit on this, this, this call that actually go to road games, there's a certain ebb and flow of what that looks like. And that's going to have to change. And... I'm not saying you can't leave your room, but you know, you're know you going to have to leave your room smart. I honestly get to the point where
5: I
6: don't know how you can leave your room. Like, I, it, there comes a certain point in time they where... They are rolling the dice, man. They are rolling the dice. And look at whatever COVID effect has on each and every individual, which apparently everybody experiences something just a little different, unique to whatever their physical makeup is. The bottom line is that it's out there and it's prominent in a lot of cities still. And whether it's a deadly virus or not to a major league baseball player, it's just going to mess with that team, that individual, maybe more than one team. And I just, ah, man, I know the bubble thing is not popular. I get it. We got a text here, 314. Well, if you're getting pushback from leagues about going into a bubble, how what do you expect from major league baseball players? You know, you're going to put them in a bubble without their families for five months. Yeah, I get it. It's not five months anymore, by the way. They're not starting this bad boy until August.
5: Yeah, so how many
6: is it, like three? So it'd be
5: August, September, and October. Yeah, three months. Sounds pretty similar so to co- what we're seeing from the a- NHL. Yeah, it'd be
6: identical, even NBA. It'd be identical to those guys doing their, their playoff run or whatever. So, look, it's a unique situation. Nobody's asking you to leave your family for a year or ten years. And I know we get the military comments on here all the time, but it does hold water that these guys, these women, they leave and they, for an extended period of time. It's not impossible.
5: It's not. And if they want to finish the season, it might be the only way that they can. And they have talked in the past few days of there being contingency plans, if necessary. And I just wonder how quickly they're going to have to get to that plan. Because if you get to the point where, let's localize this, right? Let's say it's the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are two weeks into the season. And now for the next two weeks, you're without Jack Flaherty, Colton Long, Paul DeYoung, and Paul Goldschmidt. Well, that's not the Cardinals. Mm -mm. Like, those two weeks could completely wreck the Cardinals' season. And it will be of no doing of their own, but because of the circumstances that they've been dealt. And that's the reality. We've all got to be accepting of the fact that that's very possible. Having two-week periods where you're just without your best players is maybe more likely than it is not likely given the circumstances right now. So from the, the we had a text from the three, one, four, six, five, seven, eight, zero um, is the air comfort service tax line. I can't find it now, but okay, here it is. I don't get the point of playing in each other's stadiums if there's no fans. And that's my question, Jamie, it all comes back to the family thing for these guys. I,
6: I get but it. Does it like, this is where I'm like, I, I sit here and I'm like, okay, Yes, the family thing for the guys who have families, but the guys that don't like there's a lot of those guys.
5: There are. And I I understand their concerns. I do. There's a mental health side of all of this. But if you want to play the baseball season, it might be the only way that it's possible. And so I I just I, I continue to be concerned if they want to actually accomplish this the way that they're going about it. It. It seems hugely unrealistic to be able to finish the season. It really does.
6: So text line, again, 65780, the air service comfort text line from the 314. And I expected this pushback. How many professional athletes have died from COVID? Zero. And if they're in a bubble, they won't potentially infect others. Okay, well, so you just answered the question. If they're in a bubble, then they should be okay. Okay. But I'm not even, listen, for everybody who's listening right now, I'm not even suggesting that COVID is deadly to everybody, okay? We've talked about this. I'm talking about it just has different effects on different people, and you can believe whatever you want to believe and this, that, and the other. All I'm talking about is the inconvenience that it will have for baseball players or hockey players or basketball players if they do have guys that test positive, that infect other guys, and if they're in other cities... And they're doing their thing. And they do have families. Like, it works its way down the food chain to finally maybe getting to somebody where you lose them to this thing. And it's like, well, well, but that professional ads, are invisible. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's going to directly really affect them big time. It's what, you know, the tentacles from it. What worries me?
5: And let's say you're one of those people that believes this is not a big deal. Right. Like I, I'm not. But let's say you are.
6: OK, well, if it's even if you believe that
5: to be the case. Major League Baseball has to approach it as if it is a big deal, because God forbid something tragic happens here. You you have to approach it that way. So you have to quarantine these guys for the two weeks after they get it, even if they're completely asymptomatic and are showing no signs of it affecting them in any way, shape or form. You have to quarantine them. So let's say you're just Cardinals fan that doesn't believe it's a big deal. Well, the way that it is a big deal for you as a Cardinals fan is you now don't get to see that player play for the next two weeks. And maybe other
6: players because they've been in contact with them.
5: Exactly. So in order to lessen the number of players that are affected by it, it would be easier to do this if it were in a bubble. That That's what I'm saying here is I want to see the fewest players affected by this, the fewest players test positive for this as possible. And the way to do that is very clearly not the way that the MLB is going about this. So it's going to be really difficult. It continues to feel more and more difficult by the day. We got another text 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 812. BK, are you going to cover your favorite NASCAR driver today? I am. We will. We'll talk about the latest with that next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. That is Tanner Hendrickson filling in for Alex Ferrario today. It's Ribs and BK on a 101 ESPN. So we got a text on the Air Comfort Service Text line 65780. Hey, BK, are you going to be talking about your favorite NASCAR driver
6: today? The answer to that question is yes, because there has been new information in... Well, why don't you tell everybody who your favorite car, your driver is, so that they know what you're talking about.
5: There has been new information in the Bubba Wallace there. case. <laughs> I was getting there. Give me a second. I'm just looking. And Jamie, we didn't talk about this yesterday because baseball was back, and so there was a lot going on here, um, but I did, I did want to get into it, and... NASCAR has now released more information on what happened over the weekend and then into earlier this week with Bubba Wallace and the noose that was allegedly in his garage. So NASCAR says that of the 684 garage stalls that they investigated over all of their tracks, excuse me, 1,684 garage stalls, 11 of them, only 11, had a pulled-down tie, tie rope with a knot. Only 11 of the 1,684. And of those 11, only Bubba Wallace's stall had one with a noose. It is a hell of a coincidence that that would be the case. NASCAR president Steve Phelps has said that NASCAR conducted a thorough sweep of all of those 29 tracks, and that is what they found. He then, at the end of his statement earlier today, said, I want to thank Bubba Wallace for his leadership over these last three weeks. He's done nothing but represent this sport with courage, class, and dignity. We all need to stand with him. I know I'm going to. So yesterday, there were a lot of people that... Came out of the woodwork because the FBI investigation said there was no hate crime that took place here. And frankly, that's a positive. If there was no hate crime that took place, we should all view that as something that is good, that there wasn't one. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that wasn't the reaction. And I was a little bit surprised by it, but I guess I shouldn't be given the climate today. But all of this being said, what we just saw, and we've both seen the picture now of... The rope that was in his garage.
6: Yeah, there's no doubt what
5: it is. He, first of all, was not the one that called it in. It was somebody from the crew. He was made aware of it, but he was not the one that called it in. And these people, I will trust them. I said earlier this week, I'm not a NASCAR guy in general. So I don't know what the stalls typically would look like. Mm -hmm. So when when the FBI came back and they were like, hey, this is just what it does. This is what it looks like. I was like, okay, cool. Maybe they're correct. Looking at it today, no, it's not. That is not the correct way to look no, at it. No, I even told and you before I, I saw the pictures.
6: As I'm like, when you have one of those ropes, the pull-down ropes, it has a knot tied in the bottom. So when you pull it down, your hand doesn't slide off the rope. It never, ever has a noose that is perfectly made. If you have a chance and you pull up this picture, that it's a perfectly made noose. There's and, no doubt in my mind that there was intention of something there.
5: And I hope, I hope, I hope that this is all a coincidence Maybe it is. It seems like a hell of a coincidence if that is the indeed the case, since it's, this is
6: the no way BK. I it's know we're being Korea. nice right now, but think of the odds of that. Like you said, sixteen hundred. Yeah, it's literally one in sixteen
5: hundred. That would be the odds of it. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line. This comes from the five seven three. It had been there since last October. The rope had been there since last October. Correct. The fact that it was looped together at the bottom and tied to itself. I've been there since last October. I do not know that it looked, because the we had seen a, a far away picture of the rope hanging down, right? That's the only picture that we've seen from last October to what it looked like today. I don't know if it was the same knot. And the knot is really what makes things different here. And so if I'm looking at this through Bubba Wallace's eyes, through NASCAR's eyes, I gotta give a lot of credit to them. I gotta give a lot of credit to NASCAR for the way that they've handled this whole situation. And I understand that there will be people that disagree with me adamantly on this, and that's perfectly fine. You are entitled to your opinion on the matter. But NASCAR stood behind their driver in a way that was super powerful for me. I was sucked in by the way that these guys all supported Bubba Wallace earlier this week before Talladega and the way that they rallied around him again after the race. I was made more a fan of the sport by that than I could be anything else. And the way that they continue to react to all of this, because they are continuing to investigate. They want to find out what happened here. And if what truly happened is that it was simply a coincidence, they want to know that too. Yeah. And so I I want to know what happened. I want to hear I, I want to hear the true investigation. I want to hear more on the facts. And what I saw today, to me, and this is my own perspective, and it's all I can give you on this radio show it appears to be more than a coincidence and that's the way that i'm i'm approaching things but i i'm willing to l- hear them out at the very least
6: here's what where i am on it okay um as of right now i no longer care about that story and hear me out yeah the reason i don't care anymore is because the response to it from nascar and the other drivers and the crews that's what speaks volumes to me. 100%. So whether it's coincidence or not, and people are texting, it was there from this and that. Okay, you know what? I'll take the L on this one. The rope has been there forever. It's always had a noose. Okay, that's fine. You win. But the response to that with the assumption that maybe it was put there with bad intentions, the response from the drivers, NASCAR, the pit crews, Bubba Wallace, everybody involved, To me, that's really the story we should be talking about.
5: They all lived up to the moment. Yep. And this is what I'm about to say is totally unfair. But my prior um, beliefs on what I viewed NASCAR as being, I could have never in a million years saw what happened earlier this week taking place. Never in a million years. And that—that that is my own uh, perspective that was skewed and was completely, clearly unfair towards the sport. But I didn't think that that would be the way that they would have responded to something like this. But those drivers... Stepped up for Bubba Wallace yeah. in a way that we didn't see in the NFL at times. We huh. haven't seen yeah. in Major League Baseball at times. Those guys picked up their fellow driver as what is basically a teammate for them, a brother for them. And they all rallied behind him in a way that matters immensely. It does. Them being able to say, Bubba, we got you. Friggin' Petty coming down. Richard Petty coming down. Mm-hmm. And as an 80-year-old man getting on a flight right now in the midst of a pandemic and saying, I need to be here for my driver, that's the most important thing for me today, that is huge. And it speaks volumes to the character of everybody involved with NASCAR. And I said it earlier this week, Jamie, and it continues to be the case. They've made more a fan out of me in these circumstances, which are obviously not ideal than they did in my previous 27 years of life because it's just not the sport that i would have expected myself to be interested in Mm -hmm. and they've they've lived up to this moment in every way possible well every way possible
6: look they're doing a good job i think they are trying to step outside their comfort zone as far as the fans that they appeal to and the uh i guess the the world of nascar and Look, man, it strides forward. That's what it's all about. And like I said, I'm over it. I'm done with the the rope story. Uh, I, I absolutely applaud the racers and everybody who was a part of that to help with the Bubba Wallace situation. Now we move forward, right? Like, enough in the rearview mirror. We move forward. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. You know why, BK? We get to talk NASCAR again. You know with who? Kenny Wallace. Hell yeah. Kenny Wallace is going to come on the show tomorrow. So we'll be able to talk about NASCAR and how great Pocono's they doing. coming up, right? Pocono's coming up. We talk blues hockey with Kenny Wallace. So stick with us, guys. Stick with us here. We got NASCAR. I've got a driver. Well, we've got a driver coming on the show. I'm looking forward to it.
5: NASCAR, good on you. With Jamie Rivers and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Jamie, guess who's coming up best? They're coming up next, rather.
3: Oh. The best. He's the best. We'll talk to him next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for a blues report with Joey Vitale. You automatically look 15% tougher if you have a fear. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection.
7: Orange and green in the shape of carrots.
3: When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. <laughs>
7: this is silky smooth. Let's go That's former
5: Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Rivs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. He is the best. He is the Blues analyst for 101 ESPN. He is, of course, Joey Vitale. Joey, how you
7: doing, man? What's up, boys? Boys, I'm doing good now. I'm talking to you. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing all right. So I just saw some news on Twitter, Joey, and I wonder,
5: given the fact that you got some little ones at home, Chuck E. Cheese is officially bankrupt.
7: Is this going to be big news in your household? This is not a, This is not big news. This is no news. <laughs> this is a no news. Listen, I, I, Chuck E. Cheese was big back in the Axilarama days at Crestwood Mall when I was growing up. Chuck E. Cheese was the place to be, but... I tell you, it's kind of fallen by the wayside. It's fallen behind. I have great memories there, but I tell you, kids these days, they need to be stimulated it's so much harder than we were when we were kids. There's like a, an American Ninja Kids course across the street. I mean, how can you argue with that? They're like got like swords and samurai weapons and chains, and they're climbing these walls. Like Chuck E. Cheese's got nothing on that. No, it will be missed, but uh, it will have no effect on my children.
6: All right, so then uh, I got to ask the question, Joey, what's the go-to for the Vitale family? Like, when it's go time for the kids, and we're going to do this right, obviously not Chuck E. Cheese, where are we going?
7: Listen, if
6: it's my kids,
7: it's pretty pretty freaking simple. We're going to find a big yard, a big lawn, we're going to find a big park, and we're just going to bring a bunch of balls. I've kind of gone back to the old-school mentality uh, after reading Mike Matheny's book, uh, The Manifesto, about, about kind of getting back to the old roots of, of just letting the kids play in a big field with a ball or bringing a wiffle bat, um, you know, a hockey stick, uh, doing those kind of things. So my kids actually are kind of really getting accustomed to it, uh, trying to get them off the iPads a lot now, all that digital stuff, uh, trying to get them away from that. So I, I would say just find a big field for those kids, uh, get them a bunch of balls. The other thing I will say, another thing with that big field, if you got access to a hose, they got these new water balloons, guys. Have you seen these things? Yeah, like, you're talking just, about it. The, they, like, fill up quickly, right? Dang it. I, I keep repeating myself to people because I <laughs> no, talk about these okay. water balloons all the time. I talk about these water balloons. This guy should, should win some sort of award. I don't know, Nobel Peace Prize or something. But you, you, you turn them on this hose, and you can fill up, like, dirty balloons in, like, 10 seconds. <laughs> so if you got a big field, the kids just uh, have a way at that. The problem is I think you got to pick them up. But then someone said they're disposable I'm not really sure, but we uh, we also do pick them up, so then the kids can kind of get a little work in as well.
5: We're talking to Joey Vitali, his Blues analyst for 101 ESPN, here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Joey, let's talk a little bit of hockey because we're getting closer and closer, and we're seeing more and more Blues starting to report, and we're seeing them actually on the ice at this point. What's your latest take on where we are with this hockey season and the reality of it really starting to set in that we're going to see this thing?
7: Well, you know, a couple of things, guys. I think, you know, last week, I think the NHL got shook up a little bit. Uh, those players in Tampa Bay as well as a staff member tested positive. I think there were 11 players officially, including Austin Matthews that day. that tested positive for the COVID-19. I think everyone was shaking a little bit. But I think after a couple of days, the dust settled. People realized, hey, there's a lot more testing now. So more people, of course, are going to test positive for it. So everyone kind of settled down from that. From after talking to some of the players, uh, it, it does. It seems like it's all, all all, go forward, guys, all moving forward. Players are starting to show up. Uh, some European players actually showing up on Sunday, uh, returning from their country. So I would say that everything continues to look very positive. Uh, you hear the players talk about it in the press. I've talked to them uh, via text message or phone as well. Guys, these, these players are excited. They're excited to get back and, and to play hockey and the thought that you are within 30 games reach of a Stanley Cup final and a Stanley Cup championship, that excites these guys. Uh, you know, I know the argument out there is, well, do these guys even want to play? They're in summer mode. Uh, they do because they also know that a break's coming. That's important. If Because if earlier in the summer, they were talking about having this playoff format and then jumping right into the season. I don't think players would have liked that at all. So I think you would have seen a lot of players upset about that situation. But this is very different. You come back in August – you play for a month, month and a half if you're lucky, and then you have another month and a half, two months off. Uh, players are excited about uh, little things, spending spending time with their families on Halloween. They've never done that. Having a Thanksgiving at their home, they have never done that. So they're excited about the prospect of that. So if they have to go in there, put their boots on, go to work here for a month, month and a half, like I said, in August and September, uh, there's a lot of good moving forward to for these players. So, again, I think it's all moving forward from a player's perspective.
6: Joey, we talk uh, a lot about hub cities and the NHL is narrowing it down slowly but surely here. <laughs> what are you hearing out there on the street? Uh, that uh, I, Obviously, I'm going with Vegas. I think Vegas has been the worst-kept secret ever. But who else are we talking about here?
7: You know, uh, I actually saw a report uh, recently that said that Vancouver has been a little bit of a hiccup with Vancouver. I think some sort of health officials over there are saying that it may not be a good idea. Pierre LeBron just reported on it. So uh, we'll see how official that is. So if Vancouver kind of gets a snub, uh, seems to be now from a Canadian standpoint, the league is looking heavily into Edmonton, as we know, and now more at Toronto, given the news of Vancouver. I think for a while there, I think you can make the argument for from a safety standpoint, I'm, I'm talking safety standpoint, you have to look at Edmonton, and you had to look at Vancouver because those are the two probably safest cities. Uh, now, of course, this is a negotiation, and the players are going to have a, a say in this. I don't think a lot of players, as you know, Riz, are going to want to go to Edmonton and spend the quarantine time. But that's just the way it's going to have to be. I mean, uh, but if you were to ask me, uh, Edmonton's got to be the city. I I quarantined myself in Edmonton for the last 10 to 12 years, even on a nice day, uh, let alone a summer day. So uh, Edmonton seems to be a good one. They love that JW Marriott brand new facility. I don't know if you guys have been up there yet. It's connected to the rink. Uh,
4: It's a perfect
7: setup. Yeah, I know you did. not It's a perfect setup. It's a perfect setup for a hub because it's connected to the rank And listen, it's Edmonton. No offense to anyone listening out there from Edmonton, but it's, it's Edmonton. And um, so that's number one. Uh, I think Vegas has got a lot, of, a lot of good traction. If, if it were me, and if I had to put a put a stamp on it right now officially, I would say Edmonton's a lock. I would almost argue that Vegas may not be there because of they're looking even more now at Toronto. And I think they want to keep this thing in Canada where they feel like it's a little bit safer and they're going to save a little bit more money. So right now, for me, from what I understand and what I've learned, Edmonton, a lock. And I'm going to put Toronto as a close second with the Vegas right on its heels in third.
6: Breaking news from Joey Vitale. Take it, boys. Take it. Joey, the way
5: you were talking about Edmonton, it it makes me wonder, what was your least favorite city to visit as a
7: player? (laughs) I mean... Uh, without bashing Edmonton much more, I would have to go with Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg oh, yeah. was a uh, – that's, that's a that's a tough town, boys. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I give a lot of credit to Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley for, for doing what they did to want to win there and try to build something there and sign those long contracts there because uh, I know they probably have great suburbs where their family lives. But from a sheer cold perspective, snow perspective, I just – I don't know how you can get outside uh, outside of Winnipeg. I mean, Edmonton. The good thing is you got some good things around. You know, Calgary's nearby. uh, All those kind of fun lakes and mountains around that area. So you have you're within a couple hours' reach of something. Winnipeg, you were like I mean, in the plains. There is nothing up there (laughs) except like
6: 18 feet of snow constantly. Winnipeg, you know what, Joey? I didn't hate Winnipeg. I honestly oh. didn't because, you know, you go up there, you got a lot. There's just hockey fans, right? Like, they're just everywhere. And so it was always fun to go to that city. The one that was always on my calendar that I was like, uh, was Buffalo. I just was yeah. like, you know what? It's always kind of gray. It me of Gotham City. You roll in at, like, noon. It's still dark out, basically. And it's kind of a ghost town downtown. I know the suburbs are awesome, but... We don't go to the suburbs when we're in town. We come in and we stay at the hotel, we go to the rink and it's kinda of blah.
5: So Buffalo's the worst US city of the teams that you play against. For me,
6: hundred percent.
7: Yeah, I think Buffalo's up there, but see to me I'm you know, Jamie, I'm an American. I love the fact that I'm still in America. <laughs> so I'll take <laughs> Buffalo over Winnipeg. Hey, I will say one thing about Winnipeg. I know it was bashing a little bit. Probably the nicest the, yeah, the nicest people of any of any city I think are actually in Winnipeg. I mean the friendliest Neighbors coming up to you, strangers coming up to you. If you look lost, hey, can I help you with something? Um, can I buy your Tim Hortons? I mean, uh, it, it's almost like you don't feel like you're, you're in some sort of utopia world with how kind and generous the people are up in Winnipeg. So uh, maybe, maybe the weather and the, and the situation is them where they figure like they have to be nice. I don't know.
6: <laughs> Joey, we talk about these games and hub cities, and we're laughing about different cities right now. Uh, you're on the broadcast side; you, you're covering the games. What is the lens? What's that going to look like for you guys? How are you guys going to cover the games and, and, you know, what are you expecting?
7: Well, right now, from what I've understood, uh, everything is still up in the air as far as who is going to be allowed upon these sites. So let's just say Edmonton, for example. Uh, There is a cap uh, per team about how much personnel each team is allowed to bring to that hub city, Uh, whether it's 50 or 55. I'm not exactly sure of that number, but it's around that area. So, St. with Blues, for example, they can send uh, hypothetically 50 uh, staff, including players, uh, personnel, PR, coaches, GM, Doug Armstrong, 50. And that's the number. You're not allowed to go over that. So, they got to whittle that number down. Now, I, I understand where I'm on the totem pole, so I don't expect to be maybe <laughs> up there with those top 50. Uh, unless there's some dr- crazy scenario where they actually allow broadcasters and TV guys up there in a certain way and direction, or maybe later in the later rounds, that could happen. So I would imagine at this point that all broadcast, probably TV and radio side from every team, uh, will be done probably from the club city uh, from afar. So probably live through a studio or maybe some TVs, different angles. Um, and again, this is all uh, developing. It's still in the process of happening. So we don't know exactly sure the details of it yet, but I'm certainly preparing to do both. Either, you know, go to the Hub City and spend a month, month in quarantine away from my family. That's a possibility. Understand it, it's part of the job. You gotta do what you gotta do. Or we do it from here and we try to figure out how to make it work and how to do a great broadcast um from here as well, whether that be a studio or some sort of live audience. You know, I was talking to Chris Kerber the other day about this. It'd be so cool if we could figure out a way to do it in some sort of live scenario where there's some fans at a bar behind us and you can kind of hear some noise and some energy. Because that could be kind of a cool thing as well. So again, with everything still developing and not figuring out the hub cities yet, and the exact number per team, uh, we are just kind of throwing spitballing these things out little by little.
5: I'm just imagining Joey Vitale like up on a stage at Ballpark Village with a thousand people in the audience, and with Joey just working the crowd. Oh, it'd be it'd be amazing. <laughs> it'd be absolutely
7: ride in the bull, ride in the bull, boys. <laughs> Feeling the flow, feel it, happy.
5: Joey, we love you. We can't wait to hear you back on the radio giving us the the glorious games that we are going to see once this thing gets going again. Thanks so much for the time today. You're the best, my man.
7: Anytime, BK. That's why I'm the best. You said it yourself. Bye. (laughs) It's
5: Joey Vitale joining us here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. I want to ask Jamie McLennan, coming up here in about 15 minutes, because Joey just broke a little bit of news here on the show. It sounds like it might not be Vegas. We've been kind of under the assumption all along, jo- uh, uh, Jamie, not Joey. Joey. I wish Joey was my, my partner.
6: And <laughs> so do I.
5: <laughs> We've been under the assumption all along that it was going to be Vegas. That would be one of the two hub cities at, at a minimum. And now maybe it won't be. So we'll ask Jamie McLennan about that coming up here in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, we'll dive
3: into the junk drawer. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK.
5: With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. We're going into the junk drawer, but before we do that, Jamie, if you'll indulge me for a moment, we love the drink around here, right? We love them. Love him. Of course, I'm referencing Eli Drinkwitz, the Mizzou football coach, and he's been off to one hell of a start on the recruiting trail. A hell of a start. He had five commits in the last six days, and he just tweeted out, it looks like they're adding another. So six out of the last seven days, he's had somebody commit. And it's not just random kids from across the country. It's good players. As of right now, before this newest commit, Mizzou had the 20th ranked recruiting class in the country. Now, to put that in perspective, I looked up the last 10 years of the Mizzou recruiting classes. They haven't finished in the top 25 in any of those years. Will they finish there? Of course not. There's going to be Alabama's currently behind them. They're they're going to finish ahead of Mizzou. I'm pretty certain on that. But what Eli Drinkwitz is doing right now, we have to at least give a little credit to him. We've got to give him a little bit of airtime because... He is elevating Mizzou recruiting in a way that I haven't seen it elevated maybe since, like, the early SEC days with Gary Pinkle. This is as good as it's been at Mizzou in almost a decade. So full kudos to Eli Drinkwitz. This has been incredible to watch.
6: He's got an infectious personality. He really does. I mean, if you you looked at this guy across the room and you didn't know who it was, you'd probably think to yourself, well, there's an accountant here. (laughs) You know, no disrespect to to drink, but I'm just saying. But then I think you would agree with it when he starts talking. Like what he's saying, it's motivating, and I can just see that guy. You know, rolling up to a family or talking to people, even through a Zoom. However, he's had to do it, and just people going like, you know what? I want to play for that guy. Like I want to play for him. You know, Stoltz and I were trying to get walk-ons. <laughs> Remember that? I do. Yeah, I mean, we're trying. We might still try, but although they're recruiting some pretty good players right now. so
5: Yeah, I think you don't quite make the cutoff for what they're looking no. for right now.
6: I mean, you never know. It
5: could be some injuries. You certainly don't. So credit to Eli Drinkwitz. I wanted to give that man his kudos. Jamie Rivers, let's open up the junk drawer. What do you got for us today, my man?
6: Okay, so we are in a day and age of where people are wearing face coverings. Right, not everybody. Some people are, some people aren't. Some places are requiring it, some places aren't. It's been um, certainly a heavy debate. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay, so yeah, you have your like how you couldn't. I mean, you have your one side that's like yeah, pro mask, and the other side says ah, I don't believe in it. So, anyways, down in Florida, they've been having these—I don't call them town halls. These these get-togethers where people can come in and voice their concerns to the local government. Uh, pro or cons, whatever they think about. And uh, one lady who is nameless in this for for good reason now, uh, she had her time with the mic. And her time with the mic, uh, this is, and I quote, okay, from this lady, I don't wear a mask for the same reason I don't wear underwear. (laughs) Things they gotta breathe. (laughs) So, what's, I don't know where, what her argument is on this one. Is she saying that she doesn't want to wear a mask or that she doesn't want to wear underwear? But yes, I think the answer right? is yes. Yeah. So, imagine that. She on TV, the clip, and says to the local government, Yeah, things got to breathe. Did you see the other people that went up to talk during this hearing? I saw a few of them. Oh my God, man.
5: Oh, some of these people, like, listen, my personal belief <laughs> is that to help others even more so than yourself. Just wear a mask. It's it's an easy thing to do. That being said, like some of the explanations from some of these people, it just, I was like, is am I going crazy here? What's going on? One of the people said that they're trying to take away um... Breathe. God gave you this ability to let you breathe, and they're trying to take that away. It's like, what? what? No. <laughs> no, that is that is certainly not what is taking place right now. I promise you. I promise that's not can, what's happening. Can you
6: imagine, though, sitting up there on that panel, and that was her plan? Thank you for having me today. Um, you know, here's my stance on wearing a mask. I don't wear them, and I don't wear underwear. <laughs> I'm going to air that out. And by the way, it's broadcast across the country. Yeah. Because that
5: ended up making national headlines from some of those people. All right, Jamie, that ain't great, but this is worse. Uh-oh. Somehow. So, have you ever gone swimming in a river? Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I have as well. Uh, I reported exactly zero issues after the fact. Mm-hmm. That was not the case for a man in Cambodia oh. earlier this week.
6: Uh, Cambodia is a whole other animal. You going that? Yeah, keep going. So, when I
5: go into the river, I typically don't end up with a leech that has swam up into one of my orifices.
6: Can you say penis? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if we'd have to dump that or not, but... So, the leech swam up into his penis,
5: right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, And he was not feeling great. It hurt when he had to go to the restroom. Oh, I can't imagine. I pee? And uh, he was like, you know what? I need to go to the doctor. Something's going on here. This is clearly not right. Well, when he went to the doctor, the doctor said, yeah, so uh, you got a leech up there and we're going to have to remove that.
1: Um, Not great.
5: It got like a liter of blood from him. This thing was going to work on oh. this unfortunate gentleman who had gone well, in the river. Want to rephrase that.
6: Just say. So,
5: <laughs> they've got a picture of this leech after the extraction. <laughs> I would be horrified for the rest of my life. I don't think I would ever go swimming anywhere. Ever again. Well, Cambodia is a guy. tough
6: track, you know? Like, Of, of course.
5: <laughs> it's not like down by the river here. I, if I was this guy, though, I wouldn't care what the river was. Have you ever seen...
6: Uh, so, yeah, I saw that. Now, oh, it God. brought up another one for me. You ever watched the show uh, River Monsters? No. Okay, so it's this guy that Jeremy Wade, he goes out and he explores all these crazy places with, like, crazy fish and these fish tails and investigates them. Well, one of them is a little wee fish. It's in the rivers. I can't remember if it was Cambodia or some other areas. It's somewhere over there in that area and it is known to swim up the male penis. Oh, nope. Like, all the time. And he had these stories that were going on of people that were dying because it was basically... You know, full of germs and whatnot, and would like nest in there. So, people over there swim in the river, but they like tie a plastic bag around their You know? Oh my god, no way! <laughs> yeah, so the fish can't swim up the river. So See, to say, whenever
5: you, whenever I was little, um, there would always be those tall tales of, hey, if you pee in the in the lake, something could swim right up. <laughs> I had no idea that that was actually happening in certain places. Now, of course, that's. It's not going to happen to you in in the lake, but holy cow. Yeah. I have no idea that this is something that's going on out there in, in the world right now. It
6: is. You know what else going on out there? We've talked about this before. Rats. Rats have been surfacing in New York City under oh, the conditions yeah. that uh, there haven't, hasn't been as much foot traffic now. They say it's gotten a little bit better because people are coming back out. They're going back to work. But nonetheless, the rats didn't get the email that they're supposed to go back into hiding. So, what do you think the New York City Police Department has done? Oh, God. I have no Are they putting out traps everywhere? No, no, no. Well, kind of. We'll go with kind of for that. Okay. So, we'll give you half a point for that. Ratatouille is uh, struggling out there. Ratatouille is struggling. Uh, the New York Police Department is now using bomb-sniffing dogs to tra- track down rats. And the dogs are being released. When they start going crazy, they're being released to go and dispose of the rats. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah, it seems kind of like a um, a pretty dangerous thing, considering that rats could be, you know, infected with whatever. Um, but, yeah, and, and one police officer said, well, the plan at first wasn't to release the dogs to kill the rats. It was to find them, and then we could trap them and kind well, of yeah. move on. But He says, "Eh, in every experiment, there's things that go sideways. And uh, Rover here got a little hungry and decided to dispose of a rat. And so now they're trying to uh, rethink that idea. Can't can't imagine why they're rethinking that.
5: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 217. But, Jamie, are the rats at least wearing masks (laughs) while they're out there?
6: (laughs) They might. They might. 314. Jamie, I think you just came up with a great idea. Fish condoms. Never know. You just wear a regular one. Right? You could. I mean, we we'll tie yours in a knot. What? What happened?
5: It's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brian. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Jamie McLennan does hockey analysis up in Toronto. Apparently, Toronto is now in the lead for Hub City again. I don't know. This thing's been all over the place over the course of the last week.
3: We'll ask him about it coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: Alongside former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by former Blues goalie, now TSN hockey analyst and co host of Overdrive up in Toronto. He is Jamie McLennan joining us here on Ribs and BK. Jamie, how are you doing today, my friend? Not too bad. And you,
0: former superstar defenseman, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> you like that, buddy? I love that. How are you guys doing today?
6: We're good. We're good. It's a sunny day here in the loo. I'm hanging out with my
0: buddy BK.
6: We're having a good time, man.
0: How about yourself? I am driving from Calgary, Alberta to Edmonton, Alberta, and it is a wasteland in between of just farmland. So if I I cut out, it's because there's no cell tower whatsoever in Alberta. But uh, no, it's good. I'm... I'm, uh, after all of this COVID, I've been locked down for about 100 days, so I've, I've got an opportunity to, to fly out and, and visit my family. So I'm looking forward to that. And, and who knows? Maybe Edmonton will be a hub city one of these days if the NHL can ever make a decision on that.
6: Well, all right. I guess no messing around. We'll just we'll go right into it, right? Because we just had uh, Joey Vitale in does radio for the Blues. And, look, I was under the impression that Vegas was a lock to get mm-hmm. this hub city thing. Well, It's starting to trend that Edmonton has got, you know, a a real good chance of this, and now Toronto. So here we are, right? You're headed to Edmonton. You live and work in Toronto. Give us the
0: scoop here. Well, I don't have any scoops other than the fact that I don't know if you saw it was kind of trending on, on Twitter, but the premier of Alberta put out a video saying, come to Edmonton and it didn't show any pictures or video of Edmonton. It was like, it's like the, the mountains and, and like, and so people put up like joking videos of like the statue of Liberty in the background and the Eiffel tower, come to Edmonton. And, and be, like the, the Edmonton I know is, is pretty gritty. There, you know, there's, there's some gritty casinos and stuff like that around, but I think, you know, with the COVID numbers uh, you're looking at a hub cities that are, um, you know, basically trying to have a, uh, an area where you can have a, a safe environment. So to me, that's what you're looking at, um, you know, and I'm hoping we can do that. You know, uh, it, it, you know to me, Edmonton is a, a, a place that, you know, they, they can house the 12 teams and, uh, you know, they'll get it done. So I, I, I think Edmonton could be a, a real viable situation. And, and then you're going to have uh, uh, Toronto, I think, has been you know hit or miss. But ultimately, it, it's because um, the numbers are still going pretty high in Ontario. So I think they're trying to settle that down. Now,
6: Noodles, we were talking to uh, Night Train, Jason Strudwick, yesterday uh, and getting his perspective on the Edmonton bid for this. and. He informed us of the J.W. Marriott that's there and that they have these, I call them the hamster tunnels, to where you walk over and across and go to places without actually going outside. Does Toronto have anything like that set up If in case they do pick Toronto?
0: Uh, yes, I, I think they've got a, a wealth of... My understanding is Toronto put in a, a, a separate, like kind of almost a rebid, and they've uh, a couple of situations where, the, down by the Expo, uh, they would almost block that off downtown Toronto and, and build the hub there, and have a couple hotels in that vicinity basically, you know, shut down and quarantine for the team. So they've got the the means to do it. Absolutely, they've got enough rinks, they've got enough uh, uh, facilities for each team to have their own, uh, you know, separate setup, but. To me, when you're looking at, like, like Strutty said, in Edmonton, the JW Marriott is joined to the rink. They could create a bubble. They could create a safe environment where everyone would be, um, you know, to me, Uh, at least have the opportunity to be safe, you know, from, you know, outside exposure. I think Toronto, they would have to work at it a little bit more, but they could create it. And that's the one thing, as you guys know, the Maple Leafs have nothing but money. MLSE will throw any amount of money to make this uh, a a safe place, especially I think the Maple Leafs want to host. I know home ice advantage won't really mean much, but it would be nice, I think, for them and the hockey market to have it in Toronto.
5: We're talking to former Blues goaltender Jamie McLennan here on Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Jamie, so in in your opinion, do you think that it is likely at this point that we end up having two hub cities in Canada?
0: I think so. And and the other thing that gets thrown around, guys, is the Canadian dollar is so weak right now. So, you know, the league is trying to recoup. I think the losses, they've they've talked about, what, $1.2 billion dollars. Uh, they could be hemorrhaging if they don't have a, uh, the rest of the season. If you could get four or five hundred million back, uh, you know, to fulfill some of the TV rights and some of the sponsorship, you know, to me that's helping with escrow. That's helping with the future of the league. Uh, and and you know, you're trying to save money. Well, the American dollar is going to go a lot farther in Canada than it is, per se, in Vegas or in L.A. or in Chicago, the other uh, hubs that are being looked at right now. So that's something that has to be, uh, you know, at least focused on, is economically it might be a little bit fe- more feasible for the league to have the two hubs in Canada.
6: Now, Noodles, um, I talked to Strutty about this yesterday, too, and it's just kind of like it's it's been on the forefront of my thoughts when I heard this, but Rumors have been going around that the NHL would contemplate and are contemplating taking like the Western Conference and plopping them in, let's say, Toronto and taking the Eastern Conference and plopping them into, you know, Vegas or let's say Edmonton because they don't want to have a team with home ice advantage. To me, I feel like it's the league just really overthinking things. But is
0: there something different that you think about that? No, I, ribs, I agree 100%. I think you're overthinking it um, to the point where, you know, there's going to be no fans in the stands. I, I don't think that any team will be able to work out of their own home dressing room, even if it was Edmonton, Vancouver, or or Toronto. Uh, and they're not going to get the prime TV slots every time. If there's a game at 1 o'clock, they're going to play at 1 o'clock. If there's a game at 4 o'clock or at 7 or if you, you know or at 10 o'clock eastern like you're gonna have to do it so to me um i, I think why would you take every team has 50 people the players and personnel that's going to go somewhere why would you put them on a plane to a different city than it then allow them to stay in the bubble and not have the expense of travel if you are looking at it economically i i get it that the league is not looking to play favorites but to your point, Rib, I think it's it's almost like you're overthinking every aspect. Why not simplify it and just go? Hey, if it's happened and Toronto, those teams can play in their respective, uh, you know, home cities. But the players aren't going to be able to venture out and stay at their condos, and that they're going to have to stay on site with everyone else. There's going to be no preferential treatment. Now, Jamie, from a player
5: perspective, i I'm, I would imagine that you've certainly talked with some of these guys. How much do they care? of whether it be Vegas or Edmonton or Toronto or whatever combination of the two of the three, how much do they care of which one it's ultimately going to be versus just telling them, hey, be ready to go and it's going to be here on this
0: day? Guys, I think it's all about, first and foremost, every player I've talked to is all about safety. I don't think they care where it is and and, and when it is. You know, I think... Everyone right now, it's almost like you're fifty percent in mentally because you're waiting, going, okay, you know, I'd like a concrete date. You know, ribs, you can speak to this. It's you know, during the lockout, you're 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 working out and you're like, okay, are we going to play? Are we not going to play? Like, what's going on? You're you're in shape, but your mind isn't there yet because you're like, give me a concrete date that I can work towards. And I think the players are the same way. But you add in another layer of safety and not being able to potentially see your family for two weeks to two months, depending on how long your team goes on a run. So there's a lot of different factors that come in for these guys. Um, I, I have no doubt, for the most part, I think 98% of the guys are in shape. There's 2% uh, like me that had a bag of milk for bo- for a body that, uh, you know, it <laughs> didn't matter how hard you were going to work. You just, you weren't going to be in, uh, you weren't, you know, you weren't a, a physical specimen there's a couple guys that would eat themselves out of the league but outside of that <laughs> honestly um it's more the mental aspect so the guys i talk to about it's just about the safety are are we going to be in a safe enough space and am i going to be upset that i'm not going to be able to potentially see my wife and kid family for up to two months yeah, now, Noodles, look,
6: the last thing, uh, two little things I want to cover with you here. One is for some of our listeners who may not know this, you had a bout, a very serious bout with meningitis back in yeah. your playing career here in St. Louis that was almost deadly for you. You had a really tough recovery uh during that time and came back and played for a long time after. So two things. One, how have you been handling this COVID situation? Mm. Because I know it's it had to be concerning for you.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, as you know, Prongs used to call me the bubble boy on the best of days. So, um, you know, I'm not lying. Like, I have been in, uh, you know, I've isolated my family, had the groceries delivered, you know, washed things with the Lysol wipes before they come in the house. We haven't seen any friends or family. You know, Toronto was a hot spot, and the numbers have subsided a little bit, but for the most part, the the... You know, we just haven't been able to see anybody. We've just kind of done our thing. Um, the numbers are starting to get better in Toronto, so I've, I've ventured out a little bit. That's why I jumped on a plane uh, with a full mask and gloves and came out to Alberta to, to visit my family. But it is weird. Uh, so, you know, do I have a pre-existing condition because I had meningitis when I was 25? I don't know. You know, if everybody's going to get COVID at some point, if they are, I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor. I'd much rather get it six months from now where you hope there's a vaccine or a treatment. Uh, Not right now where I unfortunately don't want to be, you know, in that small percentage that that we are seeing deaths. We are seeing uh, some really, you know, bad things happen. So, you know, I've I've protected my family, protected myself. And, uh, you know, hopefully we're coming out of this as a, as a, as a world. But, uh, you know, the numbers are quite striking still, especially, you know, in the States. It's it's really unnerving.
6: Now, Noodles, follow up to that with uh, you battling through the meningitis and coming back. You won the Bill Masterton Trophy in the NHL. And uh, it was quite an accomplishment. Certainly it was an awesome time. Now, St. Louis's nomination for that this year is Jay Bollmeister. What about the Jay Bowmeester? In your opinion, now being a former winner, what about his story would make you believe that he should be the guy to receive it?
0: Well, I mean, everything about Bow and you guys know him. He just is, is such a pro. Like you want it. That the definition of the trophy is dedication to hockey. This guy doesn't miss games. This guy plays thirty minutes a night or twenty-five to thirty. You know, like. Um, he's been on every stage now he's a stanley cup winner but he's a you know a gold medal uh winner like this is a guy who uh, right from he was i guess 12 years old has been touted as a star and he's played on the best stages and been one of the best players out there uh to me the dedication to hockey uh, has to be in the forefront and, and that's, you know, to the tribute, like how many times ribs, like I know you battled through injuries and, you know, if you had the flu or something, you know, you, there were nights maybe where you're like, ah, the hell with it. I'm not playing tonight. Like the, the, Jay Boatmeister didn't have any of those nights. Obviously, he had the medical episode. But to me, uh, you know, that is the definition of the dedication to the game. Like the de- the definition of the trophy is exactly what Jay Bow Bo Meester is. So he has to be, you know to me a front runner to, to win it. There's a couple guys that have to be right there, but Bow would be you know in my top three for sure.
5: Talking to former Blues goaltender Jamie McLennan here on Ribs and BK. Jamie, final question that I have for you. You played with this knucklehead that I work with every day, Jamie Rivers, back in the day. Do you have any good Jamie Rivers stories for our audience?
0: (laughs) Uh, You know what? uh, uh, This isn't HBO radio or anything. We're not going to throw anybody under the bus. Uh, I I will say, you know, you make... Lifelong friends, and that's the one thing I miss about hockey—is that camaraderie uh, in the dressing room, the the chirping, the you know, the laughs, all of that. I, I I miss that every day of my life, not being in that room. But you know, he's a dear friend. We may not see each other every day, but it's it's you know, if I haven't seen him in a year, the first thing I want to do is give him a hug because I miss him and I love him. So you know what? We got lots of great stories, lots of. You know, uh, some stories over some beverages, stuff <laughs> like that. I, To be honest, there's nothing I can really throw him under the bus for <laughs> I, uh, other than I'll throw myself under the bus. Ribs, do you remember where I gave you some stitches because I thought I could handle the puck? Yeah, I do I remember, that. remember that. You, you yeah. thought you were going to be a
6: hero that night. What a guy. And <laughs> hey, let's set the stage, okay? Jamie McLennan was a stand-up yeah. goalie back in the day. And, you know, look, he wasn't a puck handler, right? Like, he's no Ben Bishop with the puck. The other no. team pulls their goalie, and I'm headed back because I'm trying to get to the puck first. I'm giving the shoulder check because I don't know what mouth breathers chasing me down the ice at that <laughs> point. And as I yeah. turn back towards my own goalie, well, Noodles is going for it. He's going to try and yeah. score a goal. <laughs> (laughs) Well, guess where it goes, BK? In the mouth? Right between my eyes. Yeah. And I'm cut open, and then the puck stays live, and
0: we're scrambling around. I'm bleeding like a stuck pig. Yeah. yeah, I will say I remember it vividly because my eyes lit up. I'm like, it was a cross-corner dump, and it came right to the middle. Oh, my God, I can shoot this. I can score. And I raised the puck, and you turned right into it. I hit you right between the eyes. I will say this. This is how tough you were. You didn't go down, and you didn't quit on the play. Blood everywhere. You were blocking shots and trying to get the – it was it was awesome. But, you know, that was in the minors in Worcester. You got called up that night after the game. So I guess there was a silver lining. You, uh, you got, I think, six or seven stitches or whatever. But you were in the show uh, about eight hours later. So it ended up working out.
6: Well, they were trying to get me away from you so I could stay healthy.
0: <laughs> that's true that's true i had hands like feet and i was showing it that night i'll tell you uh, so
5: jamie, <laughs> jamie mcclennan joining us here on ribs and bk jamie thanks so much for the time
0: today man you're the best we'll talk with you soon okay absolutely thanks for having me guys i love you love me too, buddy.
6: that's jamie mcclennan here on ribs and bk that guy's awesome oh my god he's he's welcome anytime. He's awesome. He was a fantastic teammate. And yeah, we have a ton of stories that we lived together through the minors, through the NHL. It was some really good times. It seems
5: like a lot of your best friends are the ones, or at least the ones that we've talked to so far, are the ones that you were with in the minors. And there, there's got to be something about that experience that it brings you guys together because
6: it's, it's a whole other animal. It is the jungle. Playing in the minors in the early 90s, it was like being. Pro, both predator and prey in the jungle, and you played three and three, and then you'd play four games in five days, and you'd travel 20 hours through the night and arrive and play, and it was it was gritty. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK. Are we sure? We'll play a little game of that
3: next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
5: With Jamie Rivers, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. Are we sure? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line if you want to get in. And are we sure for this segment? Let's start with this one, Jamie. Are we sure the NHL is going to Vegas? As of like 48 hours ago, I thought that was
6: a certainty. You could lock it in stone. Mm-hmm. What about now? I don't know for sure. And you know what? I I I kind of brought that up the after the first weekend Vegas like reopened. Remember that video? Yeah. That was good. Going- <laughs> it was like people everywhere, like it, like nothing had changed, and I was like, "Huh." I'm not sure this Vegas thing's going to work out, based on how everybody's treating it there. Uh, but I I still thought that yeah, it was going to be Vegas because oh, well, that's kind of what everybody was saying until today. Our own Joey Vitale... Broke some news that he's hearing that eh, may not be Vegas. And then uh, Jamie McLennan followed it up too, talking about how two Canadian cities make sense. And it really does. You're getting a dollar and a half on the dollar there. So if you're looking to recoup expenses or money that's lost, why would you pay something? Why would you pay top dollar to be in L.A. or Vegas where you can pay like almost half price to be in Canada? So, yeah, I'm not sure anymore.
5: I'm not sure anymore either. Um, And I think it goes back to what Jamie McLennan just told us, which is all the players care about right now is the health and safety. All they care about. They know that wherever they go, they're going to be able to play these games and it's going to be fine. And they know that they're not going to have the typical Vegas experience if they go out there right now because this is going to be inside of a bubble. And so they say to the NHL basically, listen, you find the best place for us to be able to actually accomplish this and we'll go. And according to the NHL, that very well may not be Las Vegas. I'm going to be very interested to see what the plan is, because we, we now know basically the plan for Edmonton. Uh, I'll be interested to see how the Toronto plan compares to the Vegas plan, yeah. we don't really know a lot about the Vegas plan, honestly. I'm stuck
6: on an Eastern time zone, too. I am. I have been since the beginning of this. And no matter what people say about games throughout the day and this and that, and the other, If you got primetime games, you're going to want to have them in an Eastern time zone because you have a really big audience there.
5: Are we sure, Jamie, that the Cardinals are going to have an everyday designated hitter? Now, I was listening to John Mosellock yesterday, and we've talked a lot about this, and we had a poll up yesterday on 101 ESPN Twitter account, and we asked, who's going to be the Cardinals DH? Of course, the answer is, like, this person, this person, that person, or the other person. What if it's just a rotation? What if one day they go with Paul Goldschmidt and get him a day off from being in the field? One day they go with Paul DeYoung. They get him a day off. One day it's going to be Matt Carpenter. The next day it's going to be Tyler O'Neal. Maybe they get Dexter Fowler a day as a designated hitter. Maybe they do a day of Yadier Molina to give him a little bit of time off during this sprint of a season. I think it's going to be more of that. Are we sure that it's going to be an everyday DH in your opinion, Jamie?
6: I'm 100% guaranteeing you From what I know, they are going to have a rotating DH. There's no way. With the way their lineup is built, you've got too many pieces that you want to get in play. And what I mean by that is you're going to want that outfield for guys to get the reps out there. Then you're going to want to make sure that those guys, if they're not getting the outfield reps, that they're getting the reps at bat. There's too much at stake here to try and keep guys going. Keep them moving along in their development. And we talk about Dylan Carlson. Well, heck, never mind him going out and playing in the game. He might get his chance to be the DH for a couple of games. Why? Because we want to get him those major league at-bats. I think definitely for sure it's going to be by committee. It's not going to be like two guys where you're like, these are our DHs. I agree.
5: I think we're going to see them rotate that bad boy constantly. I think it's just going to churn. I think they're going to use it. And we've seen this from some teams in the American League, that they they don't have a designated hitter that's that's his exclusive job. They use it as a way to basically get guys' days off. You, you don't have to go into the field today. You're not going to yeah. be putting all that time on your legs. You're just going to be – you go up to bat three times, and then we are able to work this thing out. I – I'll be very interested to see how the Cardinals use it, but I think that's going to be the way they do it. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 314. Are we sure the Cardinals' bullpen is going to hold up if they are without John Brebbia and Jordan Hicks? Well, do we have a final verdict on what's going on with Hicks? We'll answer that next on 101 ESPN.
3: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: It is different, and, and so understanding like how to manage halves is exactly how you should think about this 60. And, um, you know, he's, he's someone that certainly has the, the the DNA of always having his team ready and prepared, and, and so I do think that's a benefit or an advantage as we move forward.
5: So that was John Mozalock on a Zoom meeting yesterday. We got a text from the 314 657 Air Comfort Service text line. Are we sure the Cardinals' bullpen is going to hold up if we are without Brebbia and Jordan Hicks this year? Now, I know, Jamie, I apologize. I cut you off there. I've lost my mojo.
6: Move on now. That's it. I'm done. You had a question.
5: Do we know if Jordan Hicks is going to play this year? Well, Derek Gould was on with Danny Mac earlier today, and Derek Gould said he believes that Jordan Hicks has told the Cardinals he wants to play this season. So will he? We don't know yet. We don't have a definitive answer one way or the other, but it sounds like he wants to at the very minimum. We do know, though, that John Brebbia is out for the year. He got Tommy John recently, and that's a big blow to this bullpen. I don't want to underestimate what that means. And the bullpen is going to be as important this year, Jamie, as ever before, because the Cardinals starters are not going to be able to go as long as you would expect them to. Instead of Jack Flaherty going seven innings consistently, maybe at the early beginning of the season, it's going to be four innings consistently Uh getting to 80 or 90 pitches instead of 100 to 110 pitches. Brebbia last year pitched 72 innings. That was second among the Cardinals relievers. He had 66 appearances second among the Cardinals relievers. That's a guy that would have been hugely important for them this season to just be able to eat some innings, if nothing else. And now you're without him, so they're going to need to throw all of those arms at the problem. That includes Jordan Hicks if he can get out there. That includes all of the guys that we heard about all spring training that are now going to be asked to fill into a much bigger role than they would have been previously. So that bullpen is going to be one of the biggest things that we need to be paying attention to as they get back and as we start going into spring training 2.0.
6: If they lose both of those guys, like I know Hicks is saying that he wants to play and hopefully that they can provide an environment that makes it safe for him to play and continue on. But if they do come to a point where Hicks can't play and Brebbia obviously is out, it's going to be a major concern, I think. Because the Cardinals last year, one of their biggest things was they couldn't identify a closer for the longest time. And then they went with... Was it Martinez came in and was the closer? But now they're wanting to use him in Star. the rotation or in the starting rotation. So it, it just there's a lot to. I know they have a, a, a lot of wealth at the pitching position, and KK coming in, he's going to help. He's going to be able to add. I think he's going to be a guy you can kind of plug in anywhere as far as the rotation goes. You can maybe start him mid relief. Who knows about closing? I have no idea. But there's one potential
5: positive to there not being a triple-A season, and it is this. Now, it could hurt them in the future, but for right now, there is one positive. Those guys that would have been your starters in triple-A that are probably better than some of the guys that were going to be your relievers this year in the majors... They don't go down to AAA now. They just come straight up, and a guy like Ryan Helsley is going to be here from day one. Austin Gomber, even if he doesn't win a starting spot, is going to be here from day one. Those guys that could have been on that that shuttle to Memphis, it's not going to be the case this year. They're just going to come straight in. They will be in your relieving roles, and you could get a situation, Jamie, in some games, or you go straight in from like Dakota Hudson to Austin Gomber. And it's technically two starters, but you have one guy go four innings, and then the other guy go four innings, and then you bring out your closer for the very end. I'm going to be fascinated with the way that Mike Schilt ultimately uses his bullpen because he's creative enough, he's smart enough, he knows how important this season is and how much urgency there is in a 60 game season that I'm going to be fascinated to see what he comes up with as his plan to be able to utilize all of these relievers these arms that he has
6: yeah it's going to be interesting to see the plan it's going to be more interesting to see what's actually successful right because we can all draw up plans and then once we get into the season with uh, the uniqueness that it will have anyways like that plan might be a gem Or it might be an absolute bomb and blow up in your face, and then you're like, okay, what now? So in my opinion, I think Mike Schilt and his staff will probably have a couple of different versions of how they're going to attack the season until they get comfortable with one of those versions or that it's working, and then, you know, they'll probably go full speed ahead with that, but they're always going to have to be able to adjust. It's not 162 games where "Ah, it'll work itself out. No, you're going to have to adjust in-game, post-game, Pre-game, everything's going to have to be ready to be adjusted.
5: Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service tax line from the three one four. The season is weird anyway. Let's just make it a little bit weirder. That's where we're at, man.
6: Let's get weird. It's got to be strange. Maybe that doesn't apply there.
5: It does. It does absolutely apply there. Okay, one hundred percent. It definitely applies. I'm going with it. I will add one more thing here. The designated hitter is going to help this team this year because of things like this.
6: You think they can develop a catcher this year that way? And hear me out, okay? And I know Yachty, look, he can, in 60 games, Yachty should be able to play every single game. There's no doubt because he's used to such a big workload. But is it an opportunity to to help develop a catcher where you're like, Hey, Yachty, we know you can play all 60. We're going to give this kid 15 to 20 maybe. Okay, let's say fifteen, but you're our DH, those games. Yeah. Does that I- keep him happy, or do you think Yachty's like, ha, <laughs> good plan now? You're fired.
2: The latter. Okay. All right.
6: Because Yadier Molina
5: views his job as more behind the plate as than he does know, whenever I'm he's still, stepping I'm to I'm the plate. I'm
6: dying for the Cardinals to find a way to develop a catcher because as unpopular as it is, I'm sorry. At one point, yadi will not be the catcher
5: here. I hear you. I think it's going to be even harder over 60-game season than it would be yeah, over 162. You're right. Because of all the players on the team, the guy that is going to feel the most urgency this year is Yadier yeah, Marina. yeah. That dude's gonna want to say that he he caught every game that he possibly could. And that might mean 50 of the 60. It very well may. Certainly so. helps his
6: case moving forward that he's not ready to leave the game, right? Absolutely.
5: Absolutely. And he's looking for another contract extension. So that is certainly something to keep on the back of your mind. As Jamie Rivers, Tanner Hendrickson has done an unbelievable job for us today. He's going to help us as we cross things over with the fast lane next.
3: We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN,
5: alongside former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Brandon Kylie. Huge thanks to Tanner Hendrickson for Team filling o. in today. t Munt for Alex Ferrario. Ferrario is out once again tomorrow. He is uh healthy scratch. Healthy
6: scratch. He's just got to work on his game a little bit. You know, we put him on the bike, told him to stay ready. We're going to need him. It's going to be a long season, but he needs to get fresh again. How's he going to be morale wise when he gets back? Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know think what? he'll be fine? Okay. BT? That's on him. Right? Oh, right, like every time I've ever been healthy, scratch. If I pout about it, you think the coach cares. No, it's easier to it's easier to scratch me than wow, well, you're pouting. Okay, stay on the sidelines. You Listen, we wanted it,
5: we wanted him to have a different vantage point, so he's yeah. he's up in the press box right now. He's watching the game from afar. <laughs> Here's the only uh, question:
2: <laughs> uh, BK, uh, Ribs. What if he likes it up there? <laughs> what if he's like, That's you know what? Point. You know what? It's fine here. Everything's Wally fine. Prepared. Yeah, what? we got Tanner. Tanner. We, got Tanner. we got Tanner I Tanner. like it right here. Pippa? See that? Yeah, there you go. Right, see? see? Yeah. All right, we're good. Everything's good. <laughs> Everything's perfectly fine out here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How are you doing, I'm BT? Doing great. I'm too good. Look, we, we had yesterday during a show. We had real sports to talk about. Now they hadn't really happened yet, but like you, you can see it. It's coming. It's tangible. Uh, I was joking around with uh, with the guys a couple of days ago, and I'm sure you guys have had the same conversation. By the time sports like really get back. We are all going to be damn good at this job oh, yeah. <laughs> it, like, all of the making things up and the coming up with segments and just finding interesting ways to have these conversations—that's been challenging. So wait until you actually have content, and then you can spin all those other aspects into it. I can't wait for that, and it was fun to talk about a, a, a DH, and it was fun to talk about different rules with a runner on second, strategy, and stuff like that. So, look, life is good right now. Th- let's let's not ruin it. I'm not even going to look at the text line. It's, because I know the first one's going to say, uh, until COVID. I'm like, God dang it. I don't want to hear that. I'm positive. No, the first one's
6: probably insulting BK. Not no, she's had, had a good day today. That's a day. had a good day today.
2: We had a couple of segments where people
5: oh, were meeting. we tattoo be, but one. You, but that was good.
6: That's okay. You that have a tattoo? Good. Nope. No, we should. Nope, we but, asked uh, the text line if BK was to get a tattoo because okay. he's considering it, apparently. Oh, good. What should he get? And we had some really, really creative responses. Right on.
2: Yes.
5: Yeah, once I uh, get a man card on my forehead, so that way at least then I'll have one. Okay. It's, yeah, it's All wonderful. Right. Yes. wonderful.
2: So you I know, you don't have that. to take every suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> Filter it, you know, but somebody in there might have a really good one. Yeah, on uh, on Twitter, at
5: 101ESPN is where you can get those. I'm at BK BKSportsDoc. If you'd like to send them, you know, directly to me,
2: that's perfectly that's fine. I'm positive. more than happy to, to see those. And he presses good press like they are turning I have never I don't have a tattoo but I I love the look of them. I think they're cool. I've just never found anything same as you I'm guessing yep. or it's like yeah that's it. Here's what I don't want to have happen. I want to like have uh, get a tattoo and then down the road you look like hot. These that's out like one of those like tribals. Like <laughs> oh my gosh. Really? You
6: know? You know, Rives? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not even talking to or you or maybe anymore. a clown. <laughs> A clown a would clown. be funny one to have. That's my alter ego. You want to meet that guy someday, BK? Keep it up.
2: Get him. Yeah, but like the tribal,
6: though, for sure. Oh, my God. Here we go. Why? Everybody makes mistakes. You and Pam, Pam Anderson. mistake. I have no problem with it. Oh. Every tattoo I've ever gotten is something to do a, a period of time in my life that I'm okay with. Which, by the way, I like. And by the time I really give a crap, or I should, I won't. And it'll be a sweet bracelet by <laughs> I'll now. be the wrinkly, saggy dude <laughs> At the old age home, walking around, my tattoos and still picking care. fights. Still picking <laughs> fights. You want some of <laughs> <laughs> You side eyeing me?
2: So,
5: BT, you, my said, pudding.
2: <laughs> you said when sports get back, we're
5: all going to be really good at this. You know who's not going to be happy when sports come back? Who? Our significant others.
6: Because it's going to be a lot of sports. I disagree. I, yeah, I would my, disagree. I think too. that my, my wife be very other? happy. That'd be it, less of me at home, actually. Oh, you guys have a different kind of problem, yeah, than I do. Yeah, we're married. I guess that's fair. yeah. I, I think
2: that if I actually had something to do uh, instead of standing by my wife, what's going on? What are you doing? <laughs> How's how your day? How are the kids? Good. Everything good? You good? If I was just went down to the basement to watch some baseball or uh, or, or was actually working and brought home another paycheck, I think that that would be okay. That'd be positive. So uh, be good. yeah, no, no, I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. So uh, when do does that the kick in? Done.
5: At what point do, uh, does the <laughs> wife does it go from uh, the wife wants you around at all times to the wife not really interested in you being around? You anymore? know, I think it
2: varies. Uh, chances are, it's probably when you get married. Okay,
6: <laughs> two years in for two, three. Like that. Well, you so know I got what? A little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah, but w- w- it was unique for us, though, right? A little bit because we would you travel a lot. You're yep. on the road, and, and you know I got traded uh, a lot, and so therefore
2: <laughs> I guess in town a lot. I
6: w- <laughs> <happens>. <laughs> so I was away a lot. So then when we had time together, certainly you're looking forward to it. But once I retired, uh, I do know that um, I was around a little more than probably wanted at Uh first and so yeah there was a lot of encouragement for me to get out and find something to do honey you're better than this you go be you yeah (laughs) you know chase your passion you're better than this what
2: are you talking about that part of it's hard though seriously like relationships where a, a guy you're used to traveling all the time you do road trips all the time you have your off season but that's it i mean it's a couple of months and maybe some of that time you're traveling together you're doing things maybe you have a young family maybe you don't and then you retire then you're done then you're home it's like what? When I re- when I uh retired from from baseball, uh we had just had my son like 2 months before and I was uh, making no money playing independent ball and not even doing well there. So I was like, you know what? I should probably I should probably go home. I should probably stop and be done with this. But I I got home, and then I was home all the time, and I wasn't working here yet. I was going to wait until the following January to come back, like take my last off season, kind of be dad for a few months. But I was so lost, and we had the kid anyhow who didn't sleep much. My son didn't sleep at all until he was like 11 months old. Oh jeez! So I'm quite sure that during that period my wife wanted to kill me, and she was super excited when I, well, A, got a job, and, and B, that job actually got me out of the house a little bit.
6: It's positive that way. It yeah. is hard when you retire. It's it's like okay, and for you to like the amount of games that baseball has, like you're at the field every single day, and all of a sudden, yeah, no more,
2: yeah. Well, for me, it was like brothers. being told
6: all the time, you got to be at the rink, got to be here. We're all on the road. All of a sudden, no, nah, you're fine. Just do whatever you want. What do you mean, whatever I want? <laughs>
2: what t- hey, honey, what time should I show up for lunch? What time is that?
6: But you know, like your
2: wife, you got a family, like she has a routine. And then mm-hmm. you come back in and you want to, you're, you're trying to help. Like you're actually trying to be a part of things and help. But what you're doing, even though you don't mean to, is you're screwing things up. Because the routine works and works this way, yes, and then <laughs> then and then that causes another rift. We all figure it out, but you know, here's at the end of it. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. BK, you're gonna be so happy. Oh, thanks, guys.
6: Everything's it's gonna be really great. amazing
2: for a while. It
6: it all sounds it I heard <laughs> really your wife great. on the show the other day. She was great. She uh, loves you to death. Yeah, she was hammered. How long? <laughs> <laughs> how long have you guys been married? Uh, 21 years coming up. Jeez, man, that's awesome. Run. Yeah, yeah, that is really poor good. woman. <laughs> Poor woman. That's so a wonderful, wonderful
5: drinks. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We've got some more suggestions for my tattoos. Uh-oh. BK should get a tattoo that says, get a clue. Tell BK to get a snowflake tattoo because he is one. BK should just get a grill caught on fire. That could be his new tattoo. God, they,
6: you did you catch a grill on fire?
5: No, but the, I'm, no. I think they did, and I did. I think they're suggesting that I just, I can't grill, huh. which, uh, I blame you for that one. Everybody
6: grill. I didn't say anything about your grilling. Yeah, but you you
5: were the one that made it out to be something that it wasn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, no, you did. Listen, here's what happened. what
6: happened. I never said anything about your grilling ability or lack thereof. I just said, one, you're not allowed to touch the grill because (laughs) Keith is the man of the house and you're not going near his grill. All of which is accurate. Yeah. That that part is true. That's
2: that's just, that's like touching the remote. It's kind of the same thing. Where's the fiction? Keith's chair. Like, I bet he's got a chair. So. Challenge. Oh, no. Challenge. grill off?
6: No, challenge. It's coming up today on the Fastlane, (laughs) BT. We'll get to that tomorrow. I got a new challenge for him. I can't wait.
2: Yep. I'm excited for you guys. Oh, oh, uh, so we're going to talk about sports. Uh, you know who we got on the show today? Who do you have on I'm the show? I'm excited today. to talk to Miles Michaelis. Miles awesome. Michaelis is going to join us today at three o'clock. We'll talk about uh, coming back. Uh, I want to find out if he licks his fingers because he can't do that anymore. Uh, but man, we got real sports. Yeah, how to much of a
6: problem is that going to be for the Dude, ball
2: I lick my fingers all the time. I do it before I type. I, God help whoever else Ugh. uses this. Thank God Computer. I came here and spray everything. Yeah, no, that's probably smart. Yeah. Actually, no, th- that little stuff to me. While it's funny, while we're reading through it, I am really interested. In guys that are are playing, yep. like, hey, can you can you hit a home run and not high five? Like, is that can you even do that? I, how, how
6: does that work? I don't know. I don't know. Do you but have to go like backhand? I don't high think five? you can go backhand. Can you go elbows? Double elbow. So. I
2: think you just got to be six feet apart. Don't
5: at all times. Yeah, but you can air f- fives.
6: You got to be six feet apart, you know but you can take an Uber with some stranger <laughs> driving you. That's
2: true too. Stoltz and I talked about this yesterday, though. The the new thing is going to be the air, uh, the air like Chris Duncan, the air hump. The oh, oh yeah, yeah. Mm, mm, that's it.
6: The air hump is always
2: been. You know what? It's always it's a classic. Yes.
5: That's Jimmy Rivers. He is Tanner Hendrickson. Did a fantastic job on the board today on Brandon Kylie. Tomorrow at noon, we will have the mayor of St. Louis, Lida Crusin. We want to ask her if the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be able to have any fans I'm in ask the her stands. About high fives. So we will talk to her tomorrow at noon. Until then, from two to six, we've got the fast lane coming up next.
3: You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.
0: This is the story of the one.